The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Everybody and welcome back to Cancelled Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a critic for the rap. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I write for Slash Film. I don't have a nickname. I don't need one. Never. Although I was looking for some of my own uh, my own work recently, mm. needed like links to some articles I had written, and I had found that I was quoted again in some like horrendous. Mm. Uh, like moralizing rag, yeah, some right wing. So yeah, thing so, some about, like, super duper here, right wing. Look thing. at this yeah, critic like, as an example of everything wrong with society, kind yeah, of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. They, they had taken like some yeah. like an article I had written and like we're picking it apart sentence by sentence. Like oh, this God. is how how horrible this lefty critic is. What, what was it and, of? Yeah. Was it, what was it? I uh, I wrote a uh, like a, a countdown of uh, films about abortion. Oh, okay, yeah, got uh, it. It's, you know, that, that was a what a, a website called Slash Film can do. I mean. Yeah times of political turmoil is right about films that dealt with that political topic sure. and uh so i wrote about abortion and yeah i, I didn't know that i had been quoted they're not, they're not emailing me and telling me hey we're picking apart your words on our right-wing <laughs> rag that you'd never go to Jesus. uh did they, so did they call you something or did i, I didn't did you get, get any, a nickname out of it i guess is my question I get, no but and i can tell they're not popular otherwise i would get like hate mail from his readers mm. i didn't get any hate mail so yeah. nobody's reading that guy's blog As, well good in any case Interesting aside, right at the start of the piece. Uh, welcome back to Cancel Too Soon. This is our podcast. We review failed TV shows. Um, and we have hit a wonderful time of year. This, this right here, is suddenly last season. This is a yearly event. I think we might have missed one during the pandemic. But this is a yearly event in which Whitney and I focus our attentions not on TV shows from all throughout the history of television, but the most recent group of shows that was uh, terminated by a, uh, by a selfish and unfeeling world. These are shows that were had big, big plans. They had big announcements. Some of them were heavily touted. And yeah, they're all canceled. <laughs> uh, and every once in a while, every once in a while, a show we cover on Suddenly Last Season does get picked up again, but it is not the norm. So we are going to dive right in, and we're going to dive right in Please. with a show that... So you know when in Star Wars, when, like, Alderaan exploded and, like, Obi-Wan just knew? He was like, I just, I, I heard suddenly, like, in my in my headspace. Oh, it's like he, he like, shudders, like, yeah. I felt a planet die. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah we are Star Wars fans. It's like, yeah, you know, there's a whole planet just died. I feel like a whole planet just died. Well, when this show got canceled, Whitney and I just knew. Like, it reverberated <laughs> we, throughout we the internet. The, the Obi-Wan shudder. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, oh, God. Are we really going to have to cover Netflix's Cowboy Bebop? In this solar system... If the cops and the bounty hunters don't get you, the syndicate will. 
no happy ending here. Spoken like a man who's never been in love. I was. What happened? I was dreaming. What do you say, fellas? You want to team up? I was thinking a 60-40 split. Going my way, of course. Do not shoot her. Please? No. The answer is yes. Yes. We're definitely going to have to talk about Netflix's It was It was top of the list. Bebop. It was the most prominent intellectual property that had like been given like the TV treatment mm-hmm. in the last year or so. It is based off of an incredibly popular and influential anime series, which is based on a manga, but everyone knows the anime more. The manga was actually relatively short-lived. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they'd been threatening to turn it into a live-action thing for many, many years. Keanu Reeves was attached to do a movie for a while. That didn't pan out. Yeah, I remember they were working on a, a feature film of Cowboy Bebop. They, they had been, that had been in development hell for like 20 years. Mm. And then Netflix finally put it together. They put together a, a, an interesting cast. We'll get into them in a minute. And they put together a relatively expensive <laughs> sci-fi series that attempted to adapt... Sometimes faithfully, sometimes very pointedly not, and I'll discuss some of the major differences in this episode. One of the most popular, and indeed one of the most celebrated television series of all time. Whitney. Yeah. Had you ever seen Cowboy Bebop? No, I, I don't know what the celebrated stuff is you're talking about. Oh, uh, my God. Cow- Cowboy Bebop is, is to my eye, a, a, a sort of fringe cult phenomenon. It's oh, something, yes. uh, something only... Uh, the people I know who follow anime specifically, like are are enthusiasts of the medium, okay, that, uh, that know and watch Cowboy Bebop. It's not one of those things like uh, that non-anime people get into. Well, it's interesting because Cowboy Bebop is often considered one of the best anime gateways. Mm. Like, if you want to get someone into anime, Cowboy Bebop is a great place to get them started uh, because it is not only just stylish, beautifully animated, but it's also uh, very mature in its storytelling and. Yeah, it hopefully can get a lot of people to take that particular medium or that extension of that medium mm. very, very seriously. Uh, Cowboy Bebop was an anime series that uh, debuted, I think, in the very late 90s. I had two seasons, and it, it ended properly. It had a proper ending. That's the animated series. That's the animated series. Uh, it did a lot of very unusual things. It had a very unusual uh, and eclectic uh, visual and musical style. It combined a variety of different genres, which were not commonly combined, including, but not limited to, uh, westerns, film noir, and sci-fi, uh, and, and a little bit of opera as well, just for the fun of it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, when that show premiered in America, it was part of the initial lineup on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. Okay. It was a real eye-opener for basically an entire generation of people who were interested in taking animation seriously. But you got to remember that for the 80s and the 90s, anime was available in America, but it was nowhere near as prolifically available no, as it uh, is now. Anime first came to the United States way back in the 60s uh, mm-hmm. with shows like Speed Racer and Gigantor. Mm-hmm. Astro Boy. Uh, Astro Boy. Like, shows yeah. like that were making their way onto American television. Uh I think the big sort of turning point for the medium in the United States was the release of Akira in the mid eighties. Uh, uh, in terms of the more like mature, like here's what like here's how mature mm-hmm. Japanese animation is getting, well, as opposed not, to like well, not, because Jap- I'm not talking about 
content at all. I'm just talking about popularity. I'm talking I about the number of people who saw it. Well, because because uh, a lot of American uh, cartoon shows were being animated overseas, or at least parts of them were. Mm. And so people were getting more and more familiar with anime series being ported over to America and being turned into something mm. like Battle for the Planets or a Battle of the Planets? Battle of the Planets. Yeah, yeah. or Robotech, which was actually yeah, three different... Yeah. Completely Vol- different. Yeah, same with like Voltron. Yeah, uh, shows like that in the eighties. Yeah. These were these were most of these were anime series that were then redubbed, sometimes replotted, and uh, and then aired in America. So we were getting more used to anime, for, especially for young people. But I think when Akira came out, and I think right on its heels or right around the same time, we got Vampire Hunter D, which is very much part of that zeitgeist. It was, it was a big uh, video store con- mainstay. Oh yeah, both of those were. Mm-hmm. Um, these were films that were for mature audiences, they were violent, they had mature mm-hmm. uh, themes, they had big ideas on their mind, especially Akira. Uh, they were gorgeously animated, they were unlike anything that was being animated in America. And those were films that made people go, ooh, what's going on over there? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, v- relatively little of it was getting officially distributed in America well, for quite a few years. There, there was a lot of, there's a lot of politics in terms yeah. of uh, the way anime was produced, who owns the rights to it, mm. um, how badly a lot of the animators were being treated mm. uh, overseas, as, and here too. Animators yeah. have never been treated well. And many of the uh, films and shows, when they did make it to mm. America, they would be, you could only get them dubbed, and they weren't always dubbed very well. Yeah, Cowboy yeah, Bebop um, was actually one of the big trailblazers in that they actually had a legitimately great dub. Yeah, the, very uh, well cast, very well translated. It was it works as a dub. Uh, well, I, I I I've seen the the Cowboy Bebop movie, and I have to disagree with you on that. The point. movie. I'll, uh, I'll but, say uh, this: I'm, I'm not a fan of the movie. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, the, movie, the movie feels like filler. The movie uh, is not a great example of Cowboy. Uh, the movie would but, have been uh, not a good episode of the show. It's like okay. Uh, yeah, I, I found the movie to be quite obnoxious, actually. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, there was a, that, the wave in the '80s. I think Akira is the thing that started bringing in things like um, like Robotech. Like a lot of the giant robot well, stuff started becoming really well, big. Uh, and uh, we had we had Gundam and Robotech and a few things before Akira, mm. but we started getting more of them afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know forward, yeah. Neon. Genesis Evangelion yeah. was was a big hit as well. Like oh, a, that, that was a little bit more uh, more underground, like sort of yeah that that, that the, the deeper cut kids I, like that one. I don't recall uh, that finding any mainstream and, and, and relatively mainstream. Yeah. I'm using relatively here. Uh, I don't find that, remember that being particularly popular until a bit yeah. later. And, and a, also, a it's a very of, depressing show. A lot of the, the show shows, is about uh, yeah. it's about extremely. Like I- extreme depression. That's what the show is literally about. In addition to being about giant monsters and robots, oh, like it's wonderful. very, it's very. I made the mistake of I was house sitting for my parents for a week. They were like, "We're gonna go away. We need to mm. l- look over the plants and feed the cats." And I'm like, "Okay, fine. I'll just stay over there and I'll just. I don't. I know what I'll do. I'll binge this anime show." People kept telling me about, and I watched the most depressing thing I've ever seen in my life. And I gotta tell you. That was a rough week. <laughs> that was just me alone in a house watching the most depressing. Oh, that was like the only thing I had other than like whatever they had just on regular network television. So I just kept watching the depressing show. It's brilliant. It's yeah. great art, but it's very okay. depressing. But uh, it, it wasn't until uh, and, and you know, anime shows were coming over. They were being Im- yeah. imported all, all the time. To your mm-hmm. point, they were mostly being dubbed. A lot of them were being like really strongly recut. Yep. A lot of anime was available in the United States through specialty stores. Mm. You could get imported video cassettes. Yeah. Uh, and 
those video cassettes were so fucking expensive. Often, yeah. Like, like it was forty dollars for like <laughs> a, two thirty-minute episodes on a single tape. Like they were really hard to get for I, a long time. I was at an anime convention in the mid two thousands, and there was a shirt there, and it just said "anime heroin would be cheaper." Yeah, seriously, uh, and. And uh, those same anime stores had, you know, imported collectibles, you know, mm. figurines and, and stuffies. Yeah. Just, you know, merch. And yeah. uh, those two, because they were imported, were grievously expensive. Yeah. So if you went into went to somebody's house and they had, like, a whole anime collection, that was a commitment. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it wasn't until the explosion of Pokemon mm. that an entirely new wave sort of broke. And, like, uh, anime just sort of really flooded the market in earnest mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in the United in the United States. Yeah. But even then Pokemon mm. was definitely kid stuff. And I think mm. Cowboy Bebop was one of the shows that showed people that oh, there's way more interesting anime out there than just these yeah, well, there, kids collectible shows. There was a block I think this was on Cartoon Network called was it Toonami? Toonami. Um, Toonami was on yeah. uh, uh, Cartoon Network and that was just a block of Japanese imports. They would have stuff like Paranoia Agent mm. which is one of that's very hard to watch that's one of my favorite animes ever. Mm. Uh, they would have Samurai Shampoo which is very similar to Cowboy Bebop in a lot of ways. Um but yeah, Cowboy the, Bebop the one, was the, the one would, I yeah. saw was uh, it was a, something called Serial Experiments Colon Lane. L-A-N. Oh yeah, I never watched all of that, but that was, was pretty good. Was, yeah. that, that was a really good like weird in, early internet media experience experiment kind of thing. That was a really cool show yeah. that I saw. So Cowboy Bebop kind of exploded onto the scene in the early two thousands. It really helped bring anime and to a different extent manga even more into the mainstream in America to the extent that now it is readily available. There are streaming services dedicated to it, and their manga sections at bookstores are bigger than a lot of other sections. Right. Like, a lot of other sections. It, it sells really well. Um, and yeah, I think a fair amount of the credit can go to Cowboy Bebop, and Cowboy Bebop, if you haven't seen it, it takes place in the, I wouldn't say distant future, it takes place in like the 2070s. Like, far it's, enough away. It's distant enough yeah. that people can sort of merrily skip between planets, and there are already yeah. major metropolies built on said planets. Yeah, they, they've uh, they've colonized, like, Mars and Venus, and so I think some of the moons of Jupiter, and th- we haven't, like, gone out of into the stars, we haven't met any aliens yet, it's just we've spread out. Mm. And the, the protagonists of the show are Spike Spiegel and Jet, uh, they are bounty hunters. Jet, Jet Black. Mm. Spike Spiegel and Jet Black. And, yeah, uh, yeah uh, they're, they're, com- they're bounty hunters and they're called cowboys. And yeah. that alone uh-huh. seems to be the only thing qualifying this as, like, a space western. There's it's about nothing. people living on various frontiers in places where morality they, is... They live in big cities. Some Th- of them This do. is like a noir. So, well, it is also a noir. Yeah. It is also a noir. It's, it's, it's very, it's, very it's, much a noir. It's, it's incredibly urban, is my point. I'm and, not going to fight any, that. Any kind of connection that they try to make on this show and uh, mm-hmm. whatever they did in the anime... Uh, Whatever in that anime movie, because that's the only thing it speaks to, yeah. does not at all speak to Westerns whatsoever. Again, I think a lot of it is in terms of sort of the moral attitudes mm. about, uh, and indeed, a lot, some of like the basic narratives. But yeah. in any case, they're bounty hunters. They're, they're going from planet to planet, moon to moon. Various, and basically, they're trying to capture criminals or other wanted individuals in order to make money. However, they're kind of bad at it, except they're really, really good at it, but they end up having really bad luck, and they almost always end up causing so much damage that they have to end up paying for it, and they end up making almost nothing every time. Mm. Uh, In the Netflix show, uh, the characters are played by... 
Whitney. Uh, Spike Spiegel is played by John Cho. Yeah. A kind of, kind of, a, kind of a good get. He's. I, I'm going to say this right now. I have a lot of mixed feelings about this show. There's a couple of things I think this show does really good. Mm. There's a lot of things I think I think the show does badly, especially in comparison to the original. Mm. John Cho is perfect. Is John he? Cho, okay. <laughs> he is. He nails everything about. He's he's more Oof. loquacious in this series than he is in the original, but. John Cho has is effortlessly cool. He understands the physicality. He understands that the character has like some real deep seated like resentments and regrets, mm-hmm. and he's he just captures it real nice. I, I I think the character is is very poorly written, and I think mm. he changes attitude, and it even seems like his backstory seems to change from mm. episode to episode. I, that's uh, a lot of that's, that's on Netflix. That's not adaptation. John Cho's fault. Nah. I'm not. He's clearly just reading what was handed him, but he yeah. was handed a lot of crap. Yeah, I feel like the real strong player uh, was uh, Jet Black, played by Mustafa Shakir yeah. from uh, Luke Cage, uh, and uh, yeah, Jet Black is a former cop in this series. Uh, he's a former cop and a family man. He's uh, got an ex-wife and a daughter. He did not have those in the original series, uh, okay. and uh, he is—he's got a lot of dignity to him. He still wants to do the right thing a lot. Again. Mm. Somewhat different from the original series. All right. So, uh, and I, I feel like yeah. he—he's the one. Who, he's the like the moral one. Yeah. He's the human character, and he—he uh, he has uh, like robot limbs and and Borg implants. Like he's got chunks yeah. of metal sticking out of his face. So, um, and and there's going to be a, a completely useless flashback episode that explains all his <laughs> yeah. backstory. Uh, and the la- the final two episodes are devoted to Spike's backstory and that's also completely useless. So ten, ten episodes and three all, we can already dispense with. I'm going to talk about uh, padding in a minute. Uh, mm-hmm. The rest of the main cast, uh, Faye Valentine is a character from the anime series. She shows up much earlier in the live action series than she did in the show. Oh, no I kidding. Even, I, I don't even she, think she's in the first two episodes of the, of the anime series. I thought she was just part of the team. She she becomes such, but only after like five episodes. Okay. Like Actually, the, the original series is not in a rush to get the team together. In fact, they do like a whole episode that's just Spike and Jet. Mm. Then there's a whole episode that's just them getting their dog. They have a dog named Ayn. E-I-N, yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, that will be important later. dogs are, in this universe, dogs are very rare. Yeah. Like, they're they're heavily taxed and they're difficult to come by. So if you have a dog, it's like this huge status symbol. Mm. And they have a corgi. Because, of course, they do so cute. Uh, we're recording this the day that Queen Elizabeth II has died. Yep. So a lo- lot of talk about corgis today. Yes. Well, corgis are very adorable. I like them a lot. Uh, Faye Valentine is in the original series uh, an expert gambler, and in the new series she's an, an incredibly terrible gambler, which is a weird change. Uh, All right. <laughs> uh, but uh, she's also a bounty hunter. She's played here by Daniela Pineda, uh, who is in Jurassic World uh, two and three, if memory serves. Um, and I actually like her a lot too. I think she brings mm. a lot to the character. Um, it's a different take than the original series, but I think she she makes it work. Okay. Um, and and the fourth player is missing. Uh, oh yeah, because there, there's there's uh, Spike, there's Jet, there's Faye Valentine, and there's Radical Edward. Yeah. And Radical Edward isn't in this show until like the very last scene. Yeah. In fact, everyone was like kind of mad about it. Like, hey, how could you leave Radical Edward out of mm-hmm. the show? Radical Edward is a fan favorite. Radical Edward is a character a lot of people have glommed onto because although they don't really come out and say it. Uh, the character is arguably neurodivergent. A lot of people have said yeah, that that's mm-hmm. part of her uh, uh, persona. Also, uh, she presents very as uh, 
either gender fluid or non-binary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and well, a lot of people appreciated uses, the representation that she offered. In addition to just being a really a, fun character. She, she calls herself a girl, but dresses yeah. like a boy and, yeah. and names herself Edward. Well, so, again, um, you got to remember the original series came out at a time when the language around these sorts of uh, gender identities was a little mm-hmm. less... There, there were fewer monikers that were well known. Yeah, um, and I, I suspect that the character were created today, they might read a little differently. But who maybe say? so. Uh, a little made when, like mm. more recently than this season. I <laughs> agree. Just, well, again, they, did, they didn't get to Edward in this, did they? Yeah, they didn't really not. talk about it very much. Uh, yeah, Radical Edward. Uh, was there was, was their computer hacker, and uh, it, in the series, I got the impression that she was like. 10 or 11 and in the series they hired like a like 17 or 18 year old mm. uh, but they still, read young still, they're still they're younger very yeah. clearly the youngest member of the cast and, and they're supposed yeah. to add like a teen energy to it yeah. and because this is a, a, a cartoon series uh she's like more vibrantly animated than the other characters. It's a lot yeah. more fluid, kind of sillier than the other characters. Yes. Too. Frequently off model. Yeah. Which, which is, which is, uh, I think a good balance because Spike is a still drawing. He's like mm-hmm. really stoic. He, he's the Spike is a Melville movie. Yeah. Well, John Pierre Melville. Like yeah, he's, he's, he's like, right out of, he's right out of Le Samurai. He's, got, yeah, he's very got, got cool. Got the cigarettes. Very, he's very yeah. pointy. He's got his sleeves constantly like, rolled if, up. If Bruce Lee mm. starred in Le Samurai, that would be Spike. <laughs> and I and, think that's actually what they were going for. And Jet, yeah, is like a very serious character. Yeah. And Faye Valentine is also this kind of like sultry character. So Edward was a, a welcome change of pace. He's, yeah. She's the funny one. And uh, it's sort of a pity that we don't have Edward to balance yeah. that out. And also I, I'm not really sure what they're trying to do on the live action show with sort of their characters and their design. Now, when you have an animated character, mm-hmm. you can kind of do con- anything you want. Constantly has like a cigarette in his mouth and he's like dressed like in a very, uh, samey kind of outfit every time. Yeah, He's always he's, wearing like this bright blue, white yeah, like he's, suit. He's an image. He's an archetype yeah. because he's a drawing and that's okay. Yeah. But they made the mistake in this live action series by trying to make them look as much like the anime as possible. Mm-hmm. And that makes them look a little silly in live action. When John Cho is wearing the same coat day after day uh-huh. and it's and never getting it's dingy like, or nothing yeah it's like, like I, you're a real person and i know you like sweat and stuff yeah Th- there's practical concerns now here's actually i remember when the series was coming out and we started to see like images what was coming out on set and mm-hmm. everything and there always be people like oh they're changing things i don't like it uh wh- one of the things some people were complaining about is that faye valentine's outfit changed faye valentine's oh, faye Val- outfit is absurd faye, faye valentine's outfit like was yeah, it's like weirdly revealing in ways that's difficult to describe. It's absolutely impractical it's, it's in like every conceivable was... way. It works in cartoon land, yeah. but not in reality in any conceivable way. And mm-hmm. the outfit that they gave Daniela Pineda evokes the aesthetic mm. of the original character without being nearly as impractical. I actually think that was a good example of adaptation. Yeah, yeah. Where like yeah, it, give her an outfit that a human would wear, not a drawing. And I feel like the same way. And I agree with you. I think they're in their efforts to remain as stylish as the comic as the uh, sorry as the as the anime uh, they ended up failing to kind of incorporate it into a real world mm. which is weird because one of the other issues with this series is that the fantastical sci-fi world that they have created mm. uh, and again these are this isn't like metropolis or the fifth element there's actually a really grounded a lot of like impoverished areas that were in places that don't look entirely dissimilar from where we are now fine. But there's two kind of basic locations for this show. One, a junk pile in the city of industry, <laughs> which just doesn't evoke anything of interest. Mm. Or 
a really big city, but you t made the color timing look really drab and dingy and not interesting. Well, so they, we don't really like, get that sense of wonder, like, ooh, how neat it all is. It, it's drab and it's oversaturated at the same time. Yeah. And you can tell, it's like watching money burn on screen. Yeah. You can tell how much they spent on the backgrounds. They built a lot of elaborate sets. Mm -hmm. They did a lot of uh, elaborate sure they used a computer lot of green models. Screen, yeah, yeah, a lot of green screen and stuff. And... It's it's really visually complex. It, mm -hmm. You know what it reminded me of was Champion City from Mystery Men. Yeah, that kind, kind of, of overstuffed with aesthetic, pro problematically but, also. But yeah. because that's such a like a chaotic comedy film, uh, I think it kind of it fits the world of the Mystery Men okay. Well, the I Mystery think Men the, was also specifically trying to evoke that sort of. Tim Burton, Joel Schumacher, overproduction designed yeah, superhero yeah. universe that was very popular in the 90s. Yeah, and they're they're kind of doing that again with Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. But in so doing, rather ironically, they've robbed it of all sense of place. Mm -hmm. uh, the planets all look kind of the same. Honestly, they you go from look, planet could, to planet and all the cities look the same. For the most the part, you could take it with the exception of maybe like this is a major metropolitan area mm -hmm. and this is not. You could take a shot of any episode and mm. say like oh what planet is this on he'd be like i don't fucking know yeah could like be, you could didn't give them a personality which is a shame because we visit a lot of places this is a travel log mm. you know where like we're, this is and one of the cool things about cowboy bebop is that like a lot of the great genre shows the episodes were very flexible they could have dramatically different tones they could have dramatically different looks you could tell entirely mm. different stories there could, there's an entire episode where there's like some kind of monster on the ship this is my favorite things by the way we're going to talk a bit <laughs> about spoilers obviously from throughout the from throughout the Netflix series I'll also mention a few things from the anime one of my favorite episodes of of the anime series is it's called Toys in the Attic there is some kind of monster on the ship now again there are no aliens in this universe All so right. this is very weird what is on the ship and it's like incapacitated Jet, and then finally Spike is able to track it down and stop it. And it turns out it's that like a he had cat some, or something. You no, know, he had some food in the fridge, and he forgot about it for years. And it, <laughs> it evolved into it. Like, <laughs> it just like, started attacking people on the ship. You could have that episode, like a, and have this really depressing <laughs> episode about Spike's backstory and how the woman he loved left him for a monster. It's like, the, you can do both. It's like a, this is a joke from a Garfield strip. I know, That's wonderful. It's, so great. it's really, really great. That, there was that flexibility. Cowboy right. Bebop could be a lot of different things, much like Star Trek yeah, could be a I, lot uh, of different things. I, I feel like, um, I, again, I didn't see the series. I've only seen the movie. But I, the, the movie is a bad... I, I'm trying to think of, like... Imagine if the only Star Trek you saw mm. was Nemesis. <laughs> you, you would get the get gist, but it's, yeah. it's not the best. I mean, it's probably not that bad, but it's like it's just not. It's not Cowboy Bebop. It's not the Cowboy Bebop people fall in love with. Right. It's an. It's a. Oh, they did another thing. Oh, that's nice. Mm. But like, I don't know anyone whose favorite Cowboy Bebop is the movie. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe All you're right. out there. I'd be curious if you are, but, but uh, I don't know anyone who is. The the impression I got from the movie was that uh, it, it was. Not really a space western. I th it was more of a space noir. Um, mm -hmm. The movie more, was more noir. I think yeah. I think it was more in the mold of something like Blade Runner, which yeah. you know you could argue that's a western. In if you no, want. that's um, that's a noir. Yeah, that's noir. Um, it's definitely more of a noir than a western. And uh, yeah. because of the the design of the three the three main characters, uh -huh. Spike, Faye, and and Jet. Yeah, uh, I got the impression that they were kind of sending something up. They were trying to exaggerate mm -hmm. a lot of the tropes of noir. Yeah, Spike of it. is not just uh, a cool guy. He's like so cool, he's unreal. Yeah. You know, uh, Faye is not just a femme fatale; she's super femme fatale. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jed is 
literally a machine in this universe. Yeah, he's hard. He's that. So, he's that hard boiled. Yeah. So everything's really exaggerated, and all the jokes are really big, and the behaviors are really big, and they have this computer hacker, and and he's and uh, uh, and uh, they have Radical Edward as the computer hacker, and she's just all wild and, and yeah. wiggling around, and uh, they. Uh, then that's a good stylistic jumping off point to make a, a, sure. an anime series. When they transfer that to live action, they're just doing, they're just imitating what the anime did. Yeah, they're not really Without really, really under, understanding well. what the anime was doing. And the anime, like, I didn't really like that movie, but I could mm. see that they were going for something kind of odd. Yeah. Something a little, little off-center. Mm-hmm. And... I feel like when they brought it back to live action, especially uh, with an American studio, mm-hmm. with American actors, mm-hmm. they're they're just sort of doing it straight again. Yeah, they're just sort of doing well, a, like a straight up noir rather than adding that weird, quirky, humorous exaggeration mm-hmm. that was the reason the original was made. I, I think one of the biggest issues with this adaptation is. Uh, well, it's, it's a couple of things. One, we live in a world that is full of other things that rip off Cowboy Bebop. Mm. I think most notably in America, Firefly is very clearly heavily inspired by Cowboy Bebop. In its sort of Western-infused sci-fi aesthetic, in its uh, t- uh, story of, uh, you know, sort of moral gray areas within the protagonists. Their protagonists are bounty hunters, they're criminals, mm. they're, they're, they are exaggerated personalities. Um... And this is one of those instances where I feel like the Netflix show, unless it had actually either incredibly tried to evoke the original series, which is a show that is exaggerated in some respects, but is also not afraid to be quiet. It's Mm. also not afraid to be narratively sparse. They could have done that. And instead, they felt the need to fill it. They felt the need to... Make busy it, it up, busy it up, bit, and yeah. this is and here's where honestly I think this is the big. There's some issues I have with this show. I think this is probably the biggest. Hmm. They made it an hour long episode each. A lot of the plots that they are adapting from the original anime hmm. were twenty to thirty minutes long. They made an hour long show, to, uh, retelling mostly those same stories. Uh, n- not necessarily. Uh, it, it wasn't an hour long show. Uh, it, it was. It took that modern TV uh, mm. ethos of however long we need. But they're used so. Of, yeah. Each of the episodes was only about forty minutes, except for the last two, which were almost an hour apiece. But here, okay, fair enough. Forty minutes. However, in network television, that would be an hour long because you'd have that much yeah, commercial like time. Forty-six minutes. Like forty-two right? to forty-six is where most. So regardless, they're still padding it. All right. They've still got about twice as much real estate mm. to fill. With the same story, because they're mostly adapting stories that were previously in the anime. And what are they using to pad it out? Now, a couple of episodes, they're actually doing a pretty good job of it, because what they're adding is Faye, who wasn't Mm. there before. Yeah. Because she wasn't in all the earlier episodes. That makes sense. However, for the most part, what they're adding is banter. And not just any banter, very Whedon-esque banter. (laughs) <laughs> this very flip, yeah. nothing phases me kind of banter, and I gotta tell you, a lot, a lot of jibe-based banter. There's, there's, it's very much like, wouldn't you love to hang out with all these people? And honestly, yes, I would love to hang out with John Cho and I'd Daniel like Pena. I'd, like, cool. I'd like to hang out with the actors. Yeah. Uh, 
and that you know, that evokes the the Gene yeah. Siskel rule. Yeah, is this film more or less interesting than watching the same actors having lunch? Agreed. However, what I'm what I'm trying to say is this: um, as a result of filling this with banter, a it can't help but feel like a Firefly knockoff, even though Firefly was a Cowboy Bebop knockoff. <laughs> so that's not great. You uh-huh. end up feeling really like a copy of a copy. But also the characters end up feeling more samey. They all start ending up talking the same way which, because it's filled a, with conversation that you didn't really need. And that was a, that was an issue I know a lot of people had with Joss Whedon's writing, mm-hmm. is that the characters all had very similar voices. They well, all, the part, they all yeah. had very similar senses of humor and would jive at each other in a same samey kind of a way. And, yeah. and when... When that's new, when that's novel, that can be fine, but you know, it wears thin after a while. And uh, I think the that's issue... the case here as, as well, because they yeah. just won't shut up half the time, and honestly, well, their dialogue isn't that funny. Well, I was about to say, the yeah. real issue is that they're not funny. Well, yeah. And you can see uh, John Cho struggling with mm-hmm. the dialogue. John Cho is incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. I love John Cho. One of the greats. Uh, he's One of the greats. Should have been Oscar nominated mm-hmm. for Searching, should have won. He, he is adrift here. Yeah. He because he's given this sort of unfunny, funny dialogue, and rather than finding a way to say an unfunny thing in a funny way, mm-hmm. he's trying to say it the way it's written on the page. Yeah. He's trying to make it sound like a joke the way Spike would tell a joke. He's he is trying to and, embody uh, the character of Spike, even though the show is kind of undermining that. Yeah. So that's that's a, a good acting approach. The problem is, John Show isn't uh, unprofessional enough Mm. to just let it fly and do something a little bit out of character to make the scene better. Mm. Which means all of those jokes that Spike is saying are completely unfunny. Now, if the point is that that Spike, the character, is an unfunny person... He's actually rather... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, he's actually rather laconic in the original series, mm. which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I didn't shit. talk a lot in the movie. Not as I, much. I recall. Not, I mean, he's funny, but he's, he won't talk. Like, he's like, not as talkative. I remember Faye and Jet were the two that were constantly bickering at each other yeah. in, in the movie. Spike's just cool in the corner smoking. Yeah. He yeah. just always has the cigarette. Yeah, because in the future, smoking like takes off again. I don't know. Maybe they made it good for you somehow. Uh, oh, what... Uh... What movie was it where, like, you took medicine by smoking a cigarette? There was, like, some movie, I think it was, it was a like... a sci- science fiction movie where they, they put, like, nutrition in cigarettes. Was, I, think it was, I don't think it was nutrition. I think it, like, helped you, like, uh, like you were on an alien planet, and, mm. like, it made it, like, so you filtered the atmosphere oh, better. It, it was the movie Screamers. Yes! The mo- from 1996. Oh, my God. <laughs> the oh my God. movie. <laughs> I want, I, that's one of those movies where that's such... An evil idea to uh, like try to make smoking seem like a good thing. Yeah. You can't help but wonder if money changed hands in that one. Yeah, you it's know? like, the, like the, the the atmosphere is toxic, so you protect your lungs by inhaling something that was put in a cigarette. Yeah, because yeah. that makes smoking good for you. Yeah, some tobacco God, lobby. Put that so in that movie. I don't know if that's true or not, but man, that is oh, not that is not fucking cool. Oh, I'm, I'm impressed that I was yeah. able to evoke screamers. I was I'm uh, impressed that you found it. Honestly, I think that would I would have figured that out like a week from now, and it would have yeah, been noise just, the hell just, me the whole somewhere time. in a file in my brain. Oh my god. Uh, anyway, the other thing that ends up really padding the show is uh, the villain. The main villain. Oh god. Of of mm. Cowboy Bebop is a character named Vicious. Who uh, uh, Spike again, again, knew the, when he was a, when he was a hitman for the, the mob. The, the names are mm. are uh, very indicative of what they were trying to go for. Yeah. These are archetypes. They yep. need to behave in an archetypal fashion. Yep. Their names are Spike. Uh, whose, well, his name was pretty, actually Fearless. Yes, whose old name was Fearless, and Fearless and Vicious are the names of the characters. Mm-hmm. Jet Black, like that's a cool guy kind of a name. Yeah, Faye Valentine. That that's something like. 
that sounds like a, that sounds like, Ray, like a femme fatale. Raymond Chandler would say, "No, nah, it's too far." You know, yeah, it's <laughs> a little much. Scale it back. Yeah. Uh, so that's where we're at with the villain. The, the villain the, is named Vicious. Mm-hmm. He's and... played by an actor named Alex Hassel. You might remember him from uh, Joel Cohen's *The Tragedy of Macbeth*. Uh, he's actually a very good actor. Um, and he plays the guy who uh, is currently with the woman that Spike was in love with. Hmm. They were uh, going to run off, but yeah. uh, because of circumstances, they we'll, couldn't get together. We'll go into a little more detail later. Uh, she's played by Elena Satine. Uh, her, her character's name is Julia. In the anime series, and I don't want to make it like, oh, the anime is better. I'm just trying to explain like decisions were made that changed here. In the anime series... Julia and Vicious are mostly backstory. Mm. We occasionally see a flashback. Every once in a while, someone say, Vicious is looking for you, or something like that. I haven't rewatched it like super recently, so All maybe right. it's a little more often than I think. But I can say with absolute confidence, they are not in every single episode having their own elaborate subplots. And that's something they have in the Netflix series, where we are constantly cutting to Vicious trying to take control of his cartel with Julia, who is suffering yeah, she, at, at the side of this madman. Uh, I thought they were brother and sister for a couple episodes. <laughs> like I, they, that, they, honestly, they yeah, say that they're lovers, but they yeah. look really similar, so I thought yeah. it was like, just this weird incest She's blonde, couple. He has yeah. very long white hair. It's, got, it's very House of the Dragon. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we added their storyline, and instead of just being these like archetypal characters in the background who will be important in the last like two episodes mm. and like the last episode of season one, uh, yeah, they're all throughout the damn thing. Yeah, they, they're they're main characters now. We actually yeah. get to see how vicious is manipulating his way through. They call it just the syndicate. It's the mob. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, and how he's trying to r- uh, rise to power. Uh, there's a big uh, plot point. I don't remember this from the movie, uh, but there's a plot point where the characters can disguise their faces with its like hologram technology. I don't remember that really being a thing but in the show, but I could be wrong. It's a big thing with this a, show. Yeah. Like the idea that it's you important can, later. You can disguise yourself literally as anyone is like allows people to sort of swap places really frequently. Yeah, in the original show, uh, there's a character in the second episode uh, who has kidnapped uh, Ein. Uh, who, which is called a data dog. And the idea is this dog has a lot of data in it. It's like a Johnny Mnemonic dog. It's like a super smart dog, basically. Not like it can like play basketball or anything like that, but it knows it can do stuff dogs shouldn't be doing. It's just a little too All clever right. for its own good. And there, one of the things I like about the show is... there. <laughs> one thing I like about the show is in the show, I don't recall them ever actually finding out that they own a data dog. They oh, have this super like smart dog, and, they, the and they're always just like, ah, oh, damn it! It's like, uh, all we got was all we got out of this horrible thing. We 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 let that bounty go. We could have had millions of dollars, and all we got is this stupid dog. And then they walk off, and there's a thing on the TV about how that dog is worth a billion dollars, <laughs> <laughs> and that's their lot. They're perpetual losers. That, that's I like that. I yeah. wish that were in this show. Um, yeah. There's one scene in this show which I'm sure is a setup for something later where. Uh-huh. The dog suddenly has like demonic powers for one scene, and then it's not mentioned. It can like again. shoot a hologram out of its eyes. Yeah, I don't recall that in the anime. That might have been in the anime. I really don't remember it though. It's again, I haven't rewatched regard- it in a while. Regardless, so. it's bizarre. It's super weird, and I actually appreciate that they are completely phased by this. They are not unfazed by this. <laughs> They're, really They're actually like out. the first thing they do is they kick the dog out of the spaceship. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just like, like nope, nope, sorry, dog, no demon dogs. <laughs> You're not coming with us. Anyway, so we have a lot more subplots with the villains, and they end up being humanized. 
One might say to a fault, uh, but it is a tr- it's an interesting choice that's made, and at least the, uh, a really big and very interesting creative choice in the final episode that I want to talk about when we get there. Mm-hmm. We'll go through the episodes one by one. More, some are yeah. worth more conversation than others. Well, th- what I like about... The one thing I like about this show, because there's not a lot I like about this show. I think it's mm-hmm. over-designed. I think it's not funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think uh, it doesn't really have a good handle on genre. Mm-hmm. I think it's flipping back and forth between single episode stories and larger arcs. And I think the single episode stories work fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the larger arcs are all uninteresting. The larger arcs were usually just like, ah, Spike has a past. That'll come back to haunt him eventually. But and here it's like constantly it, they, just generic. Yeah. G- generic is, is the word I was yeah. going to use. Uh, there, there's an episode where it's the second to last episode. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's all uh, flashback where it's all flashback. It's, it's just, just spikes past the, the spike and vicious. Like what they did when they were with the syndicate together and how they met Julia. Not, not a single line of dialogue is, is original. It's mm-hmm. all cribbed from other places. We can go to another city. We can pretend to be somebody mm-hmm. else. No, I owe my life to the syndicate. Like it's, it's, it's the, all stuff. Like, and it's the all the stuff horrendous from fiction. Yeah. You shouldn't be, this is, this is your boss's girlfriend. You shouldn't be mm-hmm. into her her kind of thing like and it's we're, just and we're expected yeah and we're expected to really get into this it's not yeah. being presented in like a flip sort of silly fashion there's mm. not the the even it's like, not even serious enough it's not mm. even like so melodramatic like so heavy you can't help but get wrapped up in it mm. it's just yeah i've seen crime movies yeah they're just doing that yeah. uh even and this might have been insufferable but even like that marvel comics like bathos uh, pithiness mm-hmm. where they say something really serious and they kind of undercut it with a little joke. Yeah. Even that would have been appreciated. Yeah. Uh, they don't even have that. They're just, no. they're just doing it and it's yeah. boring. I, I 100% agree actually. Uh, um, I, I like when, if we're going to explore a character's backstory yeah. in like a long form TV show, doing a flashback is a dangerous thing. Yeah. Because it's changing a lot of the setting that you're in, you're tuning in for. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I like when we're going to explore, uh, explore a character's backstory, I like what they did with Faye. Mm-hmm. Faye had a backstory episode, yes. but it wasn't set in the past. Mm-hmm. It was about a figure from her past. Her mother mm-hmm. uh, comes into her life, and it's about her reestablishing a relationship. So we yeah. actually get backstory and a new story simultaneously. What's weird and is good that... character moments as well. well. I actually like that episode mm-hmm. and that's actually weird because that's actually one of the episodes where they changed something dramatically from the original show. The mother is not a character in the original show. That's an entirely a new creation. And it's well, whatever cool. I like it in this show. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm giving them credit where credit is due. Yeah. I'm talking about some of the things that they changed that I think were bad decisions. Okay. That's actually I think a very good decision. I'll okay. talk a little bit more about what they changed there. Um Oh, I was just had something I was going to say. Sorry, no, it's that, yeah. we were talking about it was well, going, going through stuff a, and, uh, boring arcs versus single uh, single hour yeah. episodes. The single hour episodes are are the better ones. I generally agree. Yeah. Um, I was going to say I can't remember what I was going to say. No, it's fine. Um, let's talk about the episodes uh, uh, one at a time, real fast. First episode is actually a relatively close uh, adaptation of the first episode of the series. Mm. Very, uh, very pilot ish. Very pilot ish. Very bad about establishing place. Not great at that. Uh, no. Good at characters. I think yeah. uh, it opens with a shootout in a casino. Yeah. And uh, the, the criminals are all like very colorful Saturday morning cartoony kind of criminals. So you know what world we're in. Everything's really exaggerated in this world. Mm. It's not exaggerated in a fun way. It's just sort of over over designed, but it's mm. exaggerated. And yeah, then and there's a big the, uh, shootout. And the then... big shootout ends with somebody firing like a very powerful weapon through the wall. And wouldn't you know it? The air starts rushing out. Oh, that's an airlock. We're in space. And yeah. that was the big shot. It's a nice reveal. Mm. Honestly, no, it's, it works. 
Mm. It's a little it's a little goofier maybe than it needs to be, but it works. Mm. Uh, and then uh, we we move on to uh, because they ended up causing so much damage of that they're actually about as financially fucked as they were before they got their bounty. Uh-huh. So now they're on the hunt for some more money, and they end up picking up a gig hunting for a guy who has stolen a whole lot of drugs from the syndicate. The drug is called Red Eye. It is something. It is a big red mist you like spray into your eye, and that's how you take red eye and then uh, and, you can like they describe see it as time work slowly and like they, they describe it as just like super cocaine yeah like, that's so there's you know it's really weird i, I saw a movie recently mm. with that same drug in it but red eye yeah it was, was it? it wasn't called red eye but it was like this red super cocaine oh okay well, what was it I'll, I'll talk about it when we get to uh reviewing oh, it oh we can't yeah. <laughs> we're not allowed to discuss it yet but it's a whole thing um so yeah so this guy is on the run with his girlfriend his girlfriend is pregnant uh, and uh, Spike and Jet are on the hunt for them, and so it turns out is Faye. Faye was not originally in this episode, but I think they do a good job of incorporating her. Well, well, they they fight over the bounty. The bounty gets away. They're establishing they up, that they're yeah. uh, they were initially rivals and they didn't know each other, and this yeah. is how they first met. And I so. like that they are continually rivals. They're constantly trying to screw each other over, stealing each other's ships, etc. It sets a, it sets the tone real nice. Um, it turns out that uh, the the pregnant girlfriend is the daughter of a rich criminal, mm. and that she wants to escape just her father. And the idea of being captured is more hellish than dying. So mm. she ends up, when everything goes horribly wrong, just letting herself and her boyfriend get killed. And in the original series, there's actually almost no humor to this episode. It's actually just very sad. Okay. It's a sad crime tale set in the future. Hmm. Uh, Spike is kind of an amusing character because he's a little exaggerated, but no, this is a tragedy that we watch. But again, there's so much banter here that I think the tragedy of the death of the criminals is kind of underserved, and it ends up just being kind of an episode of TV. Uh, <laughs> I, I really don't. I don't know what to tell you. Like, it really doesn't have a huge impact on me emotionally. Yeah, uh, and again, I think this is a, the danger of uh, trying to make this series a little bit too much. Like, mm. look like take a lot of superficial elements from uh, the original mm. series. Uh, so we have the you know accurate looks and costumes. Mm. We have similar story beats, but none of the same attitude. They, yeah. the, the words are not the music. I remembered what I wanted to say, but I'm going to save it. Remind me when we get to the flashback episode, when we go to down on a line. Okay. Lost. I want to okay. talk about an episode of Lost, which handles the flashback episode really badly. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, we have an episode called Venus Pop. This is actually an interesting adaptation because this episode is actually one of the last episodes in the anime. And it's the second episode of this series. All right. And there's a mad bomber. The mad bomber likes to blow things up by uh, by putting bombs in teddy bears. Hmm. And, he oh. wears a, and he wears a teddy bear head. Oh, when we finally see, he wears a, a giant teddy bear head and briefs. Which is an image. Uh, look. They're trying really hard to there, make that an image. There's, okay. I've said this before. You can tell. Mm. Maybe I can tell. When a really wild piece of art or piece of media is done by somebody who has a genuine interest or uh, is genuinely excited by things that are just sort of weird to most people. Yeah. I'm going to do something weird now. Yeah. I'm going to do something. I I have a guy who has like uh, axes for arms and, you know, just whatever it is. They have like strange ideas and they're eager to share them with the world. And you're, if you're not on on its wavelength, if it's too weird, great. They did something really kind of odd. It's Mm going to be unique. 
uh, I, I feel that way. Uh, like sometimes you might stumble across something like um, even something relatively innocuous, like Invader Zim. It's the example I want to come to. I don't know if it's that innocuous. That, that's, it was actually kind of fucked up. <laughs> well, yeah, but there's like this fucked up element to it. It's for yeah. kids, but yeah. yeah, it's like it takes place in this really dark universe. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, there's a, an episode where the alien who's disguised yeah. himself as a human boy uh, is going to go to the nurse's office. Oh, no, she's going to examine me and find I'm an alien. I need human organs. Yeah. So he starts stealing them from children and stuffing them in his mouth. And after <laughs> like, a while, he opens his mouth and you can, and you can see like, the see, organs like, packed in. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't care which organs, just as many as he can stuff yeah. into his mouth so he's Three got like spleens just in case exactly uh, there's, there's even a great line a, towards the end where the nurse actually checks him out it's like oh Zim you're a very healthy human child and such plentiful organs there's so many organs <laughs> it's like thank you he's like spits out a heart it, it, there's like a twisted fucked very up twisted. element to that very show and, and that's clearly made by somebody who has like a little bit of a fucked up sense of humor and that's yeah. great uh, and then there's the kind of media which is made by Somebody who doesn't have weird interests, mm-hmm. but is trying to put on a weird mask, put yeah. on a funny hat, and uh, I, it's, it's almost it's almost ineffable the difference. Yeah, like you it, can it's always di- tell though. It's when difficult it's like, to yeah, where, where the line is where somebody is trying to do yeah. trying to do something weird and somebody is just doing something weird. Yeah, Cowboy Bebop is somebody trying really hard. The live action one is the I live think action the anime one. series. I think you can very easily say that they're actually doing it. But mm-hmm. yeah, the live action one. It feels like, I don't recall this image from the original show, it might have been. If it was, it feels like they're just going through the motions and presenting it. Mm. They're not really making the most of what should be a very odd image, if you think about it. Mm. It just never feels like, oh, look what we're going to show you. And the part of the reason why is because they've made the characters so flip. Yeah, and and like so kind just of unfazed, unfazed by, by everything yeah. that like when they're on they're on a spaceship. One of them has accidentally stepped on a landmine in the middle of a yeah, spaceship, no. and if they move, they'll blow up. And then a guy shows up with a bomb and a detonator in briefs, wearing a, t- a teddy bear head, and their whole thing is like, oh, like well, if then, you're not impressed, why am I not going to be? Yeah. Why, shouldn't you at least be go like, well, that's weird and off putting. Like, couldn't we mm. at least acknowledge that a little bit? Or they, they acknowledge it, oh, you're wearing the teddy bear head and uh, another one of those. We fought a penguin yeah. guy last week. Uh, you know, Make a joke about it. Maybe yeah. That's not a very funny joke I just made, but, you know, just say something yeah. other than what you just did. Yeah. Uh, and the gag in the scene is the teddy bear mask makes makes him uh, indecipherable. You can't hear what he's saying. Yeah. So he's trying to give an ultimatum, like wagging the detonator, and they just, like, say it again. Yeah. But again... John Cho is given funny dialogue and he doesn't know how to make it funny. So the show isn't funny. That scene isn't funny. The, the situation doesn't feel tense. The absurdity isn't emerging. It's the weird. It's one of those weird things that feels really flat. Mm. I'm trying to think of like a good example of, like another good example of like things where somebody's trying to look really strange and it's not working. I can only think of things that are really strange off mm-hmm. the top of my head, but like yeah, I, like, I didn't, I didn't like see, Twin Peaks. Yeah, I, when I Twin Peaks see, was strange. It was always that's really fucking weird. But you seem to really believe in that shit. I, I didn't see a bullet train, but that, I didn't see train uh, that gave me a really really yeah. strong. We're gonna we're gonna make this it's, wacky. It's all affect. Yeah. That's what the trailer made it seem like mm-hmm. anyway. Um, so they captured the teddy bear bomber, uh, and uh, meanwhile. Uh, vicious because he uh, tried to go off on his own and sell drugs against the syndicate's wishes. Uh, they try to force him to kill his own wife. 
Uh, however, it turns out the gun wasn't loaded and it was all a test. But now his marriage is even worse than ever now, isn't it? <laughs> uh, next up is an episode called Dog Star Swing. This is the episode where they get Ein. Uh, this plot is rather different in this one. In the original series, this is about a guy who was stealing a data dog. He was stealing like an expensive... Like, genetically engineered dog, whereas in this one... that's less interesting than what we got. Uh, Well, one might make that... Well, again, it's 20 minutes long. We don't have... They're they're just making it real quick. Um, uh, This one, it turns out there's a guy who's actually stealing a lot of dogs. Initially, they think he's kidnapping family members, Mm. and then they find out he's kidnapping dogs from really, really wealthy people. And and that's when we learn a a little detail about this universe, that dogs are valuable commodities yeah. so kidnapping them is actually a high crime like when people left earth very few dogs made it out apparently mm-hmm. so yeah dogs are a big deal this guy is stealing dogs for reasons we will find out later oh, uh, it, and it's revenge it's a revenge well it's revenge yeah. okay we'll just jump ahead to it it turns out that uh the rich people had basically the option of taking the poor people who worked for them with mm. them to out of earth when some kind of big natural disaster happened that made earth uninhabitable and instead, they took their dogs, and that mm. guy lost his family in that. So he wants to kill kidnap the dogs, and then yeah. kill their dogs. And in the best moment of the whole episode, one of the best moments of the whole series, he's about to kill all the dogs. And I'm like, oh, fuck, this show's about to get really fucked up. And then when Spike and Jet wander upon him, he's playing with the dogs. He's like, like it's he, not their fault. <laughs> They're <laughs> nice. He's, he's, he hasn't seen too many dogs, and when yeah. he sees one, he gets, like, cheated out by the puppies. Yeah. He's like, I can't he realizes, kill a puppy. He, he realizes he was wrong, and then the cops shoot him so that they don't have to pay the bounty hunters any money because all cops are bad. Uh, oh, but but they get a corgi out of it. And they, they do get a corgi. They, they, they steal the corgi, and the reason they steal the corgi is throughout the rest of that episode, and frankly, I found the subplot a little insufferable. Um, Jet is trying to get the most popular doll on the market for his mm. daughter's birthday party. Yeah, and it's so, super expensive. It's basically Jingle All the Way with Cowboy Bebop. And he well, keeps I was, I was failing running, to get uh, the doll, and or he gets it, and it falls uh, off yeah, a building. And it breaks. And, uh, yeah. uh, it's, and it's so instead, fun. he steals a dog for her. Yeah. Yeah. Something better than the doll. Uh, do you remember the... Uh, do you ever see The Sixth Day, the Schwarzenegger movie? I did see The Sixth Day. There was a scene early on where he gets a, a doll for his daughter that's made with, like, human skin clone technology. I forgot about that. And it's like this part, yeah. creepy ass doll. It's fucking, that's a weird fucking movie. Somebody found the prop and put it on like a props oh, auction website. God. Of course, of course the silicon's like all melted away. Yeah. So it looks like it's like, it's always it looks terrifying like a, a corpse. Happens. It's just terrifying. Yeah, always terrifying. They, they found happens. a, they found an old E.T. recently. Yeah, and it was it's like really a prop fucking E.T. Freaky, doesn't it? <laughs> um, anyway, so there's this big chase. They're, they're wandering around town. Uh, uh, Spike doesn't want to leave because he's trying to get information about Vicious. It's a whole thing. It really feels bad. Oh, uh, this is yeah. the episode where we're introduced to Spike's confidant, uh, mm. who runs oh, the bar. Anna. Anna, who runs the bar. Um, actually, I think that was actually the last episode, but we meet Spike's confidant. She runs a tavern. Julia used to sing at this tavern. It's where they met. Uh, and uh, yeah, Spike has apparently faked his own death. And Anna is now realizing that he's alive and he's trying to figure out... Does Vicious know I'm alive? Mm-hmm. And, um, and she, is Julia happy? And she lies and says she is in order yeah. to save his to order to save his skin. Um, Anna is played by an actress named Tamara Tooney, who yes. I like. I like Tamara Tooney. She is an As the World Turns veteran. Uh, she she's was great. She's also on Law and Order, so yep. yeah, she knows long form. Uh, t- she's been stand on TV shows for a long she's time. She's been doing this shit for decades. Uh, she's always great. She was the. Uh, the evil neighbor wife in that film, The Devil's Advocate. Yep. <laughs> which is one of the sleaziest movies ever it made. Really <laughs> no, she's great. Uh, we also meet a character named Gren, who uh, in the original film, 
uh, sorry, the original series was he had some kind of past with the syndicate and he was actually hiding out uh, in. And again, I think I think this is another thing where if this were done today, it would have been handled very differently. And actually applaud them for their adaptation. Uh, and the original series, he's. I, th- I think he's just hiding in drag, like he's hiding his identity. Okay. Whereas in this show, they decided to make Gren uh, gender fluid or non-binary. Yeah, uh, and I think it really I, I think add, it use, adds lots of flavor to the character. I, I, get, I think they use masculine pronouns with the character. I don't. I, 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 the impression I got is they were really trying, and this just seemed yeah. contrived to me. They were trying to make him into the MC from Cabaret. They really were. Uh, yeah. Like that. That and he is an MC in a Cabaret, and they're just making him into that. You know, the Joel Gray slash Alan Cumming, whichever version of. I, I'm cabaret not sure like. what pronouns they prefer to use. Yeah. I really didn't notice, but they clearly have a gender fluidity to their uh, performance. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, they get the dog. That turns I, I, the the, uh, the end of the episode is he gives the dog to his daughter, and his mom says, and the and the mom says, "You monster! I can't afford the taxes on a yeah, dog. Do- dogs are really expensive. So all you've done is give her something that I now have to take away and be the bad guy for. You get the hell out of here!" And instead, and normally you would imagine he would get rid of the dog and sell it, but in order to force him to keep the dog, the daughter says, "Hey, when I call you, will the dog be there?" And Jet's like. Sure. So they keep it. Yeah. <laughs> they have to keep the dog. Um, uh, it's named Ein, yeah. which is the German word for one, and uh-huh. uh, and it has evocative a t- of Einstein. Yeah, evocative Einstein, and they look at his collar, and it says E one N, and mm-hmm. I don't, and that's not something that's re- alluded to in this show at all. What those letters mean? Again, he was a he he was like a genetically engineered dog. Yeah, they don't mention so that in like this a, show at all. No, not really. No, in this version of the no. show. Um, in the next episode, it's called Callisto Soul. Here we find an eco-terrorist group. And this is an interesting twist because in the original... Uh, I, I love it, the opening of, the, of this episode. The opening is fun. So Faye is... We find out that Faye uh, was cryogenically frozen, but she was cryogenically frozen so long that she has amnesia and no longer remembers where she's from. And she's trying to track down information about who she is, where she came from, and in particular trying to find her mother. And she finds somebody who used to work for the cryo place, got him at gunpoint and a big party, and it seems like she's going to get all the information she needs and everything's going to go great. And then the party is attacked by eco-terrorists who have a gas that turn people violently into trees. They uh, they play that up. Mm-hmm. When somebody gets turned into a tree, it's, it's a really lo- long, torturous sequence. And I like that. It's right I out like, of the movie mm-hmm. Troll. Not Troll 2. Troll 1. That's how Sonny Bono dies in Troll 1. He gets turned into a tree. It's that a really, scared the shit out of me as a, a dis- kid. It's a disturbing sequence yeah. uh, in, in an otherwise pretty shitty movie. And this is actually and another... Everyone interest- says that Troll 2 is really bad, and it is. Yeah. Troll uh, 1 is Troll, also really Troll bad. Troll 1 is also really bad. And entertainingly so. Uh, this is an interesting adaptational choice here, because in the original series, they were also eco-terrorists. Mm. But instead of having a gas that turned people into trees, they had a gas that turned people into primates. Oh, it evolved them. Okay. And uh, that's a very different approach. And I think um, the tree thing is probably cheaper in the long run. I mean, they you wouldn't have to have, like, CGI creatures or makeup or, effects or, 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 or anything. You, train just, you just have a, or a tree. Yeah. You know, you have one tree effect, one Look, tree shifting, whatever. If this had been made in 1983, uh-huh. they just would have put people in gorilla costumes. I know. <laughs> it would have been fine. <laughs> oh, would have been great. You got get people jumping around, banging chairs on tables. It would have been fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so the, uh, so yeah, a lot of the episode is devoted to the eco terrorists, and there's yeah. like scenes with just that. A lot of scenes with just that. Yeah, and they have, and they have a they're they're, they're uh, is it Adrian? Oh, I, I who plays who, the mom? Is it Adrian I, Barbeau plays the mom? Oh, I don't know. I, I, 
I don't think so. Let me um, double check here. I'm curious who. Uh, 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 but yeah, she, they have like this this mother figure, and she demands mm. complete loyalty from her subjects. And uh, you know, there's yeah, a lot of interplay with what they're doing, and it's actually about you know, it is Adrian Barbeau. It was a general from from okay. the Fog and Creep Show. Great actors. Um, yeah, she's having a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, so uh, Spike and Jet and Faye are on the hunt to collect the bounty on these eco terrorists. Um, a lot of this episode takes place in various junkyards that look like mm. it looks so fucking cheap. Like I get like it, you have to save you have to you have to save money somewhere, but you couldn't like find an interesting looking junkyard to shoot at. Like it looks very very banal. Mm. Um, they end up saving the day. Faye has an opportunity to uh, pursue her past or save. Uh, Jet and Spike and she chooses to save Jet and Spike and this makes her like officially one of the crew it's nice yeah, you want them together they're fun together you know um, I would prefer if we started here probably well, would have been better we don't need a couple episodes where it's just Jet and Spike like just start with all three it's all, all four if you it's all re- right if you want to jump to Faye being part of the team faster which they clearly do mm. because again Faye doesn't join the team initially until quite a few episodes in Faye isn't even introduced as a character in the anime series for a few episodes uh yeah just, just have them be a team you can just you can start you, you, with the you can team. just start there you, have, you don't have need a team to, dynamic the, if you're already willing uh, to change stuff just jump to it like make it uh, that's what we want you it, can have them be bickery you can have her, you can have her be new or something like that or like the first episode is one where she officially joins the crew but like mm-hmm. do it i don't know <sighs> anyway, there's other episodes the, 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 to talk about. First step, first scene of first episode. Don't start with an action sequence. You know, yeah. it's, old, it's old hat. Faye steps on the ship. Thanks mm. for having me aboard your cowboy crew. Okay, let me show you around. Exposition, exposition. This is the exposition room. Here's the exposition room. We're all together? Good. Okay, we're a good pilot now. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, that's all we need. <laughs> it, just, just, it can be more efficient. It can be blandly efficient yeah and it would still be better than this anyway uh the next episode is called dark side tango uh this is one where i like the premise of this one because it turns out there's like a huge prison break and there's a whole bunch of bounties and like every bounty hunter in the galaxy is just like on the hunt trying to get as many bounties as they can because it's just it's it's like a fire sale and jet finds out that one of the escaped criminals is a criminal who was directly responsible for him being a disgraced police officer. So oh, he runs this off, is, yeah, the jet flashback He runs off episode. to have this, like, really dour subplot where he, like, teams up with his old cop partner. Mm-hmm. Puts and, on the coat and the hat and it's yeah. all very noir There's, and like, he, 1940s cars now yeah. all of a sudden. There's one thing I like in this. There's, there's two things I like in this episode. And one of them is from the jet storyline, which is so fucking predictable, where it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, who's... Who's who's the corrupt cop going to be? Is it the only other character? Mm. It's probably the only other character, Jet. So that part doesn't work. But I like that there's Her- a bit herring. red herring. There's a there's a bit towards the beginning where he's like reminiscing with his old cop partner. His old cop partner is talking about like really fucked up corrupt shit. Like yeah, remember that guy who fell down the stairs? I remember you pushing him. And it's mm. like oh wow, that's a really fucked up cop. How are we supposed to like him? And then you realize because he's the bad guy, so it's fine. Like the <laughs> fact that he's corrupt means that he's corrupt. So, like they actually just kind of played fair with that regard. But the part I really like in this episode is because it's just funny uh jet leaves to follow the one guy he knows and he's trying Mm. to you know clear his name the guy ends up dying the corrupt cop ends up dying and he can never clear his name and he's fucked forever uh meanwhile spike and Faye stay on the ship 
and they're trying to decide which other bounty they're going to go track. And then every single time they try to, like, pick a name, they can't agree on it. Yeah, they do, like, they Rochambeau, and yeah. they can't do that, and yeah. they flip Finally, they pick and they a name, and, and as soon as they're about to leave the door, they find out that guy's just been apprehended, so they go right back to square one. And so they're trying so hard to figure out which bounty to catch, they don't catch anybody. Hmm. That's kind of funny. That's kind of it, That's a lovable loser thing to do. That could have been a whole episode. It kind of was. Like It, it was their half of it. But get rid of the jet stuff because that's yeah. really boring. I honestly, it's a good bottle episode. Yeah, and it's a good one because again, we've had Faye on the outside of the Bebop crew for a long time, and here's one where it's just like, it's it's a bottle episode. It's just her and Spike hmm. getting to know each other. I'm annoyed that for some reason they felt the need to make Faye, who was rather defined by being one of the best gamblers in the galaxy. In the original series, now a bad gambler who Spike reads immediately. I thought like you're going to take away one of like the only great skills <laughs> the character has and give it to Spike. Well, I, Why? I, I see how they're what they're trying to do. They're trying to make it sort of roll into the fact that these people can't catch a break. Yeah. And if you have a good gambler on your team, that kind of wrecks that. So you you have a bad gambler on the team mm-hmm. that's perfectly in keeping. And uh, Faye at least has a little bit of energy. I think Daniela Pineda is. Like, at least trying to bring some energy to this. I mm-hmm. think she's not doing a great job. But, again, I think this is more a case of her being handed bad jokes. So, yeah. uh, I don't know who wrote this, but they don't know how to cuss. There's like, a really there's, awkward... There's an art yeah. to cussing. And the the p- people who wrote this don't know how to handle s- swear words. No, it always feels kind of... It so, feels like kids trying to be sweary. Yeah. Just, I, just don't. Remember <laughs> don't when uh, in, in, there's a line in Blue Velvet where uh, yeah. Dennis Hopper said, How the shit are you? It's like... <laughs> What? <laughs> and, you know, that's Blue Velvet. Like, that's supposed to be a little weirdly in keeping with the character. Dennis Hopper knows how to make that line work. Yeah. <laughs> Very few people would. <laughs> but yeah. Dennis Hopper knows how to make that line work. Like, okay, that's... But that's, like... That's how it sounds when, yeah. when they try to make Faye Valentine swear. Yeah. Uh, the next episode is called Binary Two-Step. This is another, like, bifurcated one where Spike goes off on the hunt for a cult leader. And ends up uh, in a virtual reality simulation that keeps repeating itself Groundhog Day style, where he keeps confronting his baggage with Julia and how he feels like he may have doomed her and feels a responsibility to rescue her from Vicious. Here's my thinking. If he's an archetype, Uh don't give him any human qualities. Keep him an archetype. Just keep it simple. And that's that's where he needs to live. If you, and listen, if you're going to give him like a big melodramatic backstory, just keep it in the big bullet points. That's what they did in the original series. It worked. Or, or, you give, need, him, yeah. or you give him a backstory that's really absurd. It's like, oh yeah, he he killed a god in a volcano once. You know, yeah. whatever it is. Like uh, um, Despicable Me. It's like, oh, he died, but he was surfing a shark into a volcano. Yeah. It's like, okay, so... Big. Something yeah, big. that's what you want. Uh, and honestly, that whole Groundhog Day sequence... It's not fun. It's boring. Mm. It's not... They don't do anything really interesting with it. You're never fooled by it. It's just kind of cheap, and, and it looks cheap, too. You know what? I, it strikes me that there's nothing at stake. And I know this is like yeah. an old old screenwriting cliche, no, but you, you, you need, there needs to be a sense of danger. Yeah. You don't, nec- you don't necessarily need to kill a character or see like that yeah. there's there's big stakes. You just need to there's, feel like there's well, the characters might not get out of it. Well, like time. for example, in the previous episode, it's not a great, it's not a well told story, but Jet is trying to capture this criminal in order to clear his name because he has been disgraced. Mm. 
that's what's at stake for him his his reputation yeah. mm-hmm. that's what has been taken from him more than his job he can lose his reputation yeah. uh, he can't get back the, the issue with that is we haven't established what his bad reputation has taken from him there's not a scene yeah. where he goes into no, a police station and he, he remember like he lost his wife like his old like one of the other cops is now married to his wife that's mm-hmm. what he feels is been taken I, from him. i guess uh it's that could have happened organically. It Agreed. didn't necessarily happen to be like this fall from grace from his job. And again, the, the family have is just a new addition. Up, I think yeah. it's a bit clunky. He could have whatever. just broken up with his wife because they weren't getting along anymore. I understand. I don't disagree. Uh, but yeah, I, I, but I, I'm, I recall the scene where uh, in the back half of this episode mm-hmm. where uh, Spike is wired into this virtual reality machine and uh, Jed and Faye have to free him from it. But... There's and it, they it's like this tower of TVs and they're trying to make it look like really kind of wild and again it's over designed mm-hmm. more than interesting yeah and uh, there's another character in the room saying well you have to do it just right otherwise he'll like lose his mind and he'll like vanish yeah. into the computer yeah and we have a time and, limit too because they're like downloading yeah. his consciousness yeah there's not a single scene where like they have to do something really carefully and the pressure yeah. is rising and something's falling apart well, because it's all on him basically it's mm-hmm. like listen if this guy like deals with his baggage then he'll be trapped in subconscious for forever so it's just all a matter of will spike like accept what his subconscious is telling him or not and it's like I don't really feel a lot of tension there, dude. Yeah, yeah, th- the show ain't over yet. It's not really a thing that's well, likely and that's, to happen. And that's, I, I realize that's something that's pervasive throughout this series, that there's no sense of stakes or tension. Yeah. That uh, they're playing all of this wild music, and the people are yelling a lot, but there's actually no sense of urgency. Well, actually, the music is something that actually ticks me off in this series. One of the best things about Cowboy Bebop was its soundtrack. There's a lot it, of jazz. It's yeah. a lot of jazz, a little bit of opera, a little bit of hard rock. Like it's got, it had a very unusual musical style. Mm. It was very eclectic and fused a lot of different tones. Uh, that was really noteworthy at the time. It was very, very distinct. Mm. Um, here, they've got the same music, but they sometimes use it in really weird ways. Mm. Like for example, there's a song. I forget what it's called. There's a song that's very recognizable from Cowboy Bebop. It's a lot of clapping, and uh, the one of the lyrics is, "We are the Donkey Donkey Dogs. We are the Donkey Dogs." That song was originally from the episode where they met Ein, and it was a chase song. It's basically a whole bunch of guys are chasing after a dog. Mm. And so there's a song about a dog. It's one of the more recognizable tunes from Cowboy Bebop. This show uses it in the pilot episode when Spike fights Faye for the first time. And I'm like, why are they the doggy doggy dogs, Cowboy Bebop? What, what, why does changing the context of this song tell this story well because I gotta tell you even if I didn't know that this song was originally used in a different way I would be confused by the existence of this song because it feels really arbitrary not like I'm doing there's a a David Simon headline in uh, one of his commentary checks with The Wire he was talking about the use of pop music in film when you take a pre-existing song and you apply it to a dramatic scene or a comedic scene or any sort of scene Mm. And he had a point, and I'm not going to say this is an altruism, but it's a pretty good guideline. He said that you have two options. Either the lyrics Mm. thematically link up to what we're looking at, or the music does. Yeah. If it's both, it's going to seem really on the nose, and your audience is going to want to reject it. If it's right. neither, it's just going to clash. You want one or the other. We, we talked about this when we were talking about Dead at 21. Yeah. There's a scene where uh, Jack Noseworthy is digging in the dirt, and they yeah. play Peter Gabriel's Digging in the dirt. It's like, yeah. 
come on. It's like, at that point, you roll your eyes. But if there was, like, a song that had that kind of, like, almost, like, Western, like, funereal thing, mm. but the lyrics were totally different, you would accept it because there's a part of it that feels like that song could simply be playing. Mm. That's an example where that song is clearly wrong. Like, right. it doesn't fit that scene even ironically. It's just weird there. So... <laughs> That's just a frustrating uh, thing. The other I, sub, I, I yeah. like, generally speaking, like I would listen to this soundtrack on mm. a CD. Yeah, it's great. CD. I, I like a lot of the uh, just the individual songs. It reminded me, actually, uh, weirdly enough, of Sam and Max Freelance Police, the animated series, which yeah. also has like a really wild jazz soundtrack. Sure. But I, again, that's that's another show made by weird people. Very true. <laughs> very very true. Uh, the other half of this episode is with Faye. Uh, the bebop is broken. They need to find a replacement part, and oh, there is. Did a, we establish that's the name of their ship? The the. I forgot they, to mention. They yeah. are cowboys, and that they are bounty hunters, and their ship is called the bebop. Yeah, which is the title of the show. Indeed. They uh, uh, the bebop is, has a missing part. It's broken. They bring in a mechanic, and the mechanic is trying to fix it. And meanwhile, <laughs> uh, Faye and the mechanic fall very quickly in lust with each other. Yeah, and, and they the, have sex. The mechanic. Clearly modeled off of uh, Gina Gershon from Bound. Oh yeah, like, that, like that's if Gina the look Gershon from going ba- for. Imagine if Gina Gershon from Bound was combined with like Rosie the Riveter. Like that's yeah, the vibe yeah. she gives off, which is a great vibe. <laughs> that's yeah. a really stylish, really um, great vibe. Very sexy. There had been no previous allusions to Faye's sexuality, and she's queer yeah. in this one, and that's yeah. that's kind of cool. And honestly, it it, it feels pretty genuine. Like mm-hmm. Faye is a person who doesn't really know her past. Yeah, and there's a bit where they talked about um, they they say like oh was this this was my first time. And they're like, really? Yeah, this is the first time having an orgasm. Because she might not remember if she <laughs> right. did. Maybe I did, but since I've been dethawed, no, I haven't had any sex whatsoever. And it's actually, like, really intimate. It's actually, mm. like, genuinely kind of sensual. Because they're just, like, casually touching in yeah. a way that doesn't feel very forced or, like, it's only for the camera. Like, it... It, there's real sexual it's, chemistry it's in not it. just like lascivious male gaze yeah. kind of stuff I actually really that, that's another one where just the subplot is so much better than the plot in this episode <laughs> exactly. just because Faye is in the middle of something that feels very I mean it's a little hyper realized because it's mm. Cowboy Bebop but the actual connection feels really real mm. that's great more of that please and indeed uh, the next episode is another Faye one because uh, we're going to get to the Galileo Hustle where and this we is meet, the one where we, where we meet her mom. Yeah, we meet Faye's mom. Um, and it turns out that when Faye was cryogenically unfrozen, uh, the person who unfroze her earlier than intended uh, was conniving well, with it, a con was, artist. Uh, claimed to be her mother. Yeah. But evidently this was part of an ongoing scam. She would go to the cryogenics lab yeah. and unfreeze people, claiming them to be family members, and then... Uh, like incorporate them into cons. Yeah, and then and then they she would like steal their identity, steal whatever their inheritance was, and that would be that. And when uh, it came time to Faye, she would actually she actually taught Faye about the art of conning. And now, in a very in fact, this is a similar subplot in Dead at Twenty One. Basically, uh, I was raised by a con artist. I do not trust them. Mm. Our entire relationship is based off of deception, and uh, yeah, that's just what her life is. Uh, she has the mother has information about Faye, like a lockbox that could have everything Faye needs to know to understand. Like, like who an she actual is. physical lockbox. Like a physical yeah. lockbox, like in a in a storage facility somewhere, that has everything that exists about Faye's previous identity. Mm. Uh 
And in order, she will give it to her in exchange for helping her basically flee her most recent boyfriend, who is a crime boss. And she pretends to have a very positive relationship with her mother in order to get Spike and Jet to facilitate, which is actually nonsense because there's really no reason why Spike and 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 Jet would, would judge her. her for any reason. Yeah, like, yeah, like, we're, we're, okay, we're, this we is my mom. Things. Actually, she's a con artist, yeah. but she needs our help. She needs our help doing this. And it's say, pretty oh, forced. Right. We'll do it for you. you know? It's really, really, really forced. Honestly, like that whole plot mm-hmm. doesn't really work. But uh, I, want, I want to look up the actress who plays the mom actually because she's really, really good. She's really good. Yeah, yeah, I like her a lot. She's a really good addition in the original series. Um, Faye was, I think, unfrozen by. Like, just some guy, and I think he, like, ended up, like, seducing her, and then he stole mm-hmm. all of, like, her identity and her money, and then okay. he faked his own death, so that when he... Did, not only was she, like, left all alone in this future she didn't understand, but also, instead of inheriting whatever he had, uh, she actually inherited all of his debt. Aww. And so, in addition to just not having her identity, Faye is, like, millions of dollars in debt. <laughs> and that's why Faye is it's constantly plays, trying to hustle. Plays more into that sad sack sort of thing yeah, it was that a, this show isn't really doing. That was a good idea. That was a good incorpor- That was a good addition to Faye's character, and I kind of wish they'd had that more. Yeah. Because the desperation of debt is something I think a lot of people can understand and appreciate mm. and identify with. Um, but the but the mother is so much a more interesting character. Yeah, and she's really well, and really the relationship fun. is interesting. Yeah, uh, like clearly they 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 have kind of an, an antagonistic relationship, but also one that's a little bit begrudgingly mm. warm. It's I like it. I like the, what they did with it. Yeah, no, it really, really works. Um, so yeah, that that it, ultimately, even though there are issues with it, uh, the episode is actually quite good. The actress is named Christine Dunford. Okay. And I'm not super familiar with her. Let me see if she was in anything that... I forgot to look this up earlier. Where would I... Where have I seen... She, oh, she was in Love and Basketball. That's an excellent movie. Okay. Um, she was in Yuli's Gold. That's a great oh, movie. Oh, I like Yuli's Gold. Yeah, really excellent movie. So yeah, she's been around. It's the greatest film about beekeeping ever made. <laughs> well, it is, damn it. She was in The Purge, the series. That's me quoting Father of the Pride, by the way. Look, it is the best beekeeping movie. Find me a better one. It's not Mr. Holmes. I guess not. It's uh, not Mr. Holmes. Siegfried and Roy, playing the, not playing themselves, but their characters on the show. Yeah. Uh, f- for some reason, they're hanging out with Peter Fonda. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the way they introduce him. Look, we have Peter Fonda. He is the star of Easy Rider. And Yuli's Gold, the greatest film about beekeeping ever made. Again, they're right. Um, it turns <laughs> out that when it all comes down to it, the uh, the... Faye's mother wasn't actually fleeing for her life because mm. it was all part of an elaborate, like, like role-playing we, game. It's like this weird fetish thing they have going on. Yeah, well, like, she tries to escape, and then he finds her, and then they have sex wherever they <laughs> they meet up, which is kind of adorably awkward. Uh, and uh, Faye manages to take her lockbox and also steal her mom's ship, which fans of the series will recognize is Faye's ship from the series. So, like, hey, oh, okay. why doesn't she have her ship from the series? That, here she it gets is, it. Yeah. yeah, cute. Honestly... This is one of the better episodes. It's a good adaptation. Well, and it's I, good changes. I like that like, kind of fan yeah. service because that makes sense for someone like me who hasn't seen the original series. Yeah, yeah it so doesn't, like, it doesn't like stand that. out yeah. as like, why is that there? Only fan service. Like, no, she steals her mom's car, mm. basically. Cool. Yeah. And now that's hers now. Um, the lockbox, it turns out, only has a VHS tape. 
and she has no idea what the fuck that is. <laughs> and I remember in the show, it's I think like it was the 23rd century the or show, something. I think it might have been Betamax in the original oh, show. Funny. And they had to like go to like weird like junks, like junk antique stores all throughout the galaxy to try to find a, a, a player. But here they managed to figure it out. And it's like a video of her as a teenager, like almost like a time capsule to herself, mm. which isn't super useful. But later on, well, she's going to like very scan emotional. It. It's, very, it's emotional and that's good, but it doesn't actually really answer any of her questions. Later on in the series, she's going to like scan the screen for like details and come up with some clues that might lead her on a, a hunt to figure out who she mm. was. Um, there's a lot of meanwhile going on here that we've been skipping with Vicious, like trying to take over the syndicate well, we, and like well, we teaming it. up we with, there's, there's teaming yeah. up with like other like mob bosses. And like, if we team up, we could kill all the elders and take it all for ourselves. Yeah, and grumble, Julia grumble, has yeah. decided that to like make a deal behind his back with the other crime bosses. Like, Hey, if you kill Vicious, that would be great for me. You don't <laughs> like him either. So she's trying to take control of her own life. And I appreciate it. The next episode is called, there's three left. There's the next episode is called sad clown, a go, go, uh, which features one of the most iconic villains from the anime series, Pierre LeFou, uh, who is a, a, a he's just homicidal a, maniac yeah, he's clown. Just a, he's the, uh, he's the evil midnight bomber. with bombs at midnight from the tick. Like basically. Yeah. And in, in the anime sort series, of like sh- shrieking weirdo character in the anime series, he's just this really random homicidal serial killer maniac. Spike just happens upon okay. and he becomes like obsessed with killing spike. And like, he's got this like weird, like floaty suit that helps him fly. It's like really just bizarre imagery. The whole episode, <laughs> it's not plot. It's just style. Yeah. Uh, here they decide to incorporate it into the story in a couple of ways. Uh, he is freed from like a, a weird scientific facility by Vicious specifically to kill Spike. Yeah. He's an unstoppable killer. He's uh, on drugs in order to like keep him even remotely sane. So that's like why they invented red eye was just for this one guy, which seems a little ridiculous, but okay. He's also scared of dogs, which will be important with the whole Ein thing. Mm. Um, they end up, uh, uh, he breaks into Faye's birthday party celebration. They decide to- decided that she has a birthday now because he yeah. doesn't know when she was born. And you know what? Mm. That's cute. That is cute. That's actually very sweet. And there's something I will say for this series. Okay. And part of it is is something that it, it's just a, a just a sort of a byproduct of us watching the whole thing, whether we want to or not. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I had a friend who who wrote long long time ago. Um, he wrote an article about how playing bad video games long enough just doesn't. After a while, you lose. One of the reasons why video games tend to get like slightly higher grades when they're not good mm-hmm. than maybe a movie does. Is because a movie, you're only with it for two hours and you go, oh, that sucked. But if you have to play you're, through the entire you're game. hostage after a while. Yeah, yeah. After, if you have to play through the entire game, eventually you get used to it. You get on, I, you get on the game's I wavelength actually, on um, one level or not. This is something I encountered personally uh, working in a movie theater. Yeah. Uh, if you're stuck behind a concession stand at a movie theater and some demonic presence has decided to set up a cardboard standee in the lobby with you mm-hmm. that has a TV screen that plays the same three previews over and oh, over again. Yeah, that was hell. Yeah, you'll have it memorized within a day. Yes, and, you will. and you'll have to live with that thing I've for like three multiple weeks. Jobs like that. It was awful. Yeah, yeah. You watch the preview for Carpool enough times. <laughs> 
you kind of understand what they're doing now. You kind of like gain, like you you, you gain. It's if like, not, it's if like not you've a broken love. through whatever yeah. was on the surface. Yeah. You've seen what's inside. You and the carpool, carpool preview. You and carpool are in this together. Yeah, you may not yeah. like each other, but you're in this together. You've mm-hmm. acclimated to it, and I think that's something that. Because the cast is good, because I like all the members of the cast, mm-hmm. even if they're not necessarily always embodying the characters well. Um, at the very least, the core cast, mm. uh, Daniela Pineda, John Show, and uh, Mustafa... Um, oh, what the hell is his last name? <laughs> oh, it's going to drive me nuts. Um, Mustafa Shakir. Okay. I, I get used to them. I've grown accustomed to their face. <laughs> To quote Henry Higgins. And like, and after a while, I'm like, when the, by the time they're like, hey, let's go bowling and get Faye a cupcake because she's part of the crew now and she doesn't have a birthday and we'll say this it's, is her birthday and it'll be nice for her. a little bit of warmth at that point. Yeah, at that there? point, it's like, I, these might not be my favorite versions of these characters, but I've grown to like them a little. I don't wish them ill. I, I kind of like hanging out with them now. Like, I've grown used to it. I probably wouldn't have bothered sticking around yeah. if I didn't have to watch this for work. But I did, and after a while, it's like, yeah, they've grown on me a little. They're, 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 they're kind of cute. I can, I can get used they, to them, you know? They, I'm having a really frustrating experience because I'm having moments like that where it's like, yeah. okay, that was a cute moment. Okay, I've seen some humanity in them now, or I've seen something yeah. kind of funny or, or strange or quirky about their character that I enjoy. Uh. I got most moments uh, from Jet because he's the most human character. He's, he has he's, the most relatable concerns. He's trying to yeah. get back together with his family. Sure. Uh Spike is concerned with a noir movie. It's completely unrealistic. He's, got, he's, in, he's out of a different and, film, yeah. And uh, and and Faye is essentially Fry from Futurama. She's unfrozen <laughs> and trying to find her, her identity. Sure. Uh, and there, yeah, there were like little fleeting moments where it's like, okay, I, I get where you are. Or there's a whole sequence where it was really fun. There's a sequence we we skipped it o- over it earlier, where. Um, uh, Jet is attending his child's recital at oh, yeah. school. But, but he's he, got to do it by hologram. Yeah, he, he has to do it like virtually. So he puts this thing, uh, he has to put it on this thing on his head and uh, he can like project his mind over to where yeah. she is and he'll appear in the room in, as a hologram. So as he's watching this, there's an action scene going on behind him. Cute moment. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, good juxtaposition, a little, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of a cliche, but at least, you know, they're it doing works. something. Yeah, it's fun. Uh and then the show will do something really kind of contrived, or it'll have a really bad line of dialogue or scene or scenario, which takes all of that away. Because Just when you had me, you lost me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're giving me a little bit, and then they're taking it away, and, yeah. I, and it's really, really frustrating. Uh, so yeah, uh, Pierre LeFou jumps him, tries to kill him. He ends up being really frightened of Ayn, and he runs away. And uh, he he's the one who sends a hologram through Ayn's eyes. All saying, right. come meet me at the abandoned amusement park. Like, he's basically a Batman villain at that point. And uh, Spike's going to go on his own. And then Jet and Faye are like, no, we're a team. We're going to do it together. And then Spike sabotages the ship so he can do it on his own. No, and, which is, that's fine. He ends up he ends up killing the guy. Good. Um, Again, that doesn't seem like a very Spike thing to do. Like, wouldn't it just be... Not this sh- version of Spike. Sure, come or not, I don't care. No, this yeah, version of Spike, I don't think would have done it. Uh, Anime version? Yes. Right. This version? No. We just had the fucking birthday scene. They're a <laughs> unit. Mm. Like, it's weird. Like, he's he's we've, we've seen him talk to people uh, about, like, who aren't Jet and Faye, about how he's really nervous because Jet doesn't know he used to be an assassin. Yeah. 
and and Jet used to be a cop. So yeah, I, so he, he feels bit... that Jet would not only feel betrayed, he would feel like morally obliged to turn on him. Mm. So he's been trying to keep this from him. And Jet has become convinced that Spike's like secret past is he was in like special forces or something. Right. And he's got right. like a tortured he's a past. Soldier. Yeah. yeah, he made a lot of mistakes, but it's okay. You did it in the name of, of righteousness. And Spike's like, no, I shot a lot of innocent people because I was told to by bad guys. Because <laughs> that, was, that was my job. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been like trying to prevent him from knowing about that. But like, even so, this this doesn't really track. Mm. Um, he ends up fighting Pierre LeFou. He's very injured, but he ends up being picked up by Anna and Gren, which will be important in the two episodes hence. But the next episode is the flashback episode, where it's literally all <sighs> Spike's backstory with Vicious. If you wanted this to know, one was a chore to get. It's not good because their, their backstory is really uncomplicated. It's it's uncomplicated. It's uninteresting yeah. and. This is one of those episodes where they took almost 60 minutes to tell it. So yeah. I thought, okay, I'm going to be out of this in like 39 minutes. This feels like... And it sh- kept going, and this, it kept going. This is another one where if this was 20 minutes, this would be fine. This is an hour. Even then, may, maybe not. But, but yeah. Because you just hit the main bullet points. It, it can ha- can't help but simply be arch. Mm. Here, it's just like, now we're going to get really into the nuts and bolts of like how fearless and vicious we're like so close to each other. Like, No. <laughs> they're Tarantino knockoff characters in this. They're bantering. <laughs> They've got like, you know, they kill a lot of people. Like they fall for the same girl. He's got to kill people. And like, he, like a vicious fucks up and like ends up like killing someone from a rival cartel. And uh, fearless is told you have to kill your best friend vicious no. and he can't do it. So instead he kills literally everyone in that cartel, John wick style. <laughs> And everyone's like, oh, Vicious, you you did it, man. You, you killed everyone in that cartel. Now I don't have to kill you. And his father, played by John Noble, uh, is you, just you like... You recognize John Noble. Yeah, he was, uh, he was Lord Denethor in Lord of the Rings. He was on Fringe. He was on Sleepy Hollow. Really good actor. Yeah, he plays Vicious's father. And he's like... Yeah, I know you didn't actually do any of that shit. <laughs> like, you're a pathetic loser, and I hate that you're my son. And... They do a very poor job of making you care for Vicious. They try to give him, like, a couple of sad stories about, like, my dad was mean to my mom. But I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, but you're a homicidal maniac, so I don't think that would have changed much. (laughs) I really don't think that those things are entirely connected. I don't really get that vibe from you. You seem like a sadist. So, eh. Um, the relationship between Vicious and Julia never makes sense. The relationship between her and Fearless is so brief that it doesn't really track that they would carry this huge torch for each other. Um, it it's, doesn't it, work. It's all just completely it's contrived. Boring. Yeah. It's simple. It's so simple. It really could have just been a quick flashback. You really didn't need you, you, a you whole could have fucking had a, episode. You could have like three lines of dialogue. You could have had a speech. Could have explained that whole damn. You, you and, show and show we, us a couple. And of we cool fell in love with the good. same girl, and that's all we need. Just yeah. give us a couple of images and a couple of lines. We can be out of here in ninety seconds. <laughs> there, when was you have so you were uh, to remind you, yes. you were going to bring up something about Lost. So Lost was a show that was very much based on flashback structure. Yeah, and so to that's, a frustrating degree. To a frustrating degree. When it worked, it worked great. When it didn't work, it was really sad. Um. It's a show that, like, I think is shows you the best and worst ways to do flashbacks. Most episodes of Lost would be half taking place on an island, but then half of it you would see, in sequential order, a story happening to one of the people on the island before they got there. And mm. it would turn out that who they are on the island, how they were presenting themselves, is actually 
maybe not who they were off the island, and maybe they're uh, more capable here than they were then. Maybe uh, they were you. They seem like a goody two shoes on the island, but actually they're a career. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. a career criminal or a con artist or something like that. And honestly. It's a solid way to do it. <laughs> it is a solid way to get a lot of variety into a, into a show that should just be about people hanging out on a beach. Like, it works. Um, towards the end of, this, of the series, we had a couple of episodes where it was nothing but flashback. Okay. And this has been something that's really, really difficult for Lost to do because there's so many unanswered fucking questions about that island. The magic of the island, the mm. secrets of the island, all it's that like kind of stuff. monsters and stuff. And, like, on and it, you're yeah. watching it the final season and like, how are they going to fucking get to any... I can't expect they're going to get to every question, but how are they going to get to any of them? <laughs> and then finally, there's one character who is like... We find out he's like immortal. He's in constantly in like older flashbacks. He never seems to age. Oh, God. I know. But like, just, just like... <laughs> my point is this. A flashback story with him uh, could answer a ton of questions. Because, it's like, oh, because of his age, yeah. Because he has—he's been here the whole time. He's probably seen all kinds of shit. He's probably been privy to all kinds of in, like intimate and secret conversations with people who know everything that's going on in the island. This is great. Okay, cool. We're gonna get this guy's flashback. Uh-huh. And we're gonna find out so much. And then the entire flashback—he's chained to a boat. <laughs> We don't it see is, him throughout the decades and centuries. No, he's chained to a boat. Th- this is this uh, is the last season. I was gonna say this. This is something that like Lost fans are still mad about, isn't it? It pissed me of, the fuck of, off. It's one of those things. I'm gonna move on. My point is this: they're really bad. A whole episode dedicated to a flashback can be really, really disappointing. Yes really disappointing like anyway this one <laughs> like this one this one is basically like there's just not that much to it really yeah and and i have to admit i i checked out like this yeah. episode is like i didn't care how this thing concludes like you've yeah. you've made you've turned i i said at the the start of this conversation that yeah. i wanted uh spike to be more of an archetype i didn't yeah. want him to have a lot of human characteristics because yeah. That was sort of the impressionistic version of him yeah. that I saw in the, but, the movie. But you don't want to be trite. I don't want to be... If you're going to get... Again, if you're going to give him a backstory, mm-hmm. it needs to be something that matches that kind of archetype. And it's okay to have this contrived story in a better context than this. Just yeah. seeing it done straight yeah. kills everything. Yeah. It's it's, it's I mean, the show is already kind of hanging by a thread. There's only little bits of interesting things going on. But this one was just sort of this declarative statement that they just didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, if we we think this is where the heart and soul of it is, I'm like, no, you you didn't, you whiffed it real bad. So when we come back for the final episode, the final episode, everything comes to a head. Uh, Vicious has killed the entire uh, group of elders and all of his rivals. Killed his own father. Killed his own father. Um, I, I, I must admit, I'm not a huge fan of Alex Hassel's take on Vicious. Vicious always felt to me like, I don't know, man, like a comic book cover that got kind of like, was allowed to move around. Like he was just <laughs> kind of like all impression. Yeah. Like he never really had much character in the original series, which is fine. Um, Alex Hassel's take on the character, and a lot of it's from the writing, as this really pathetic evil guy mm. gets kind of old real fast. And frankly... I, it really undermines how threatening he is because he ends up coming across as okay. He can kill people really good. Otherwise, he is resoundingly incompetent. 
and it really, that, that doesn't really help. That's something I've noticed. Showing us uh, that much more of them didn't help anything. I've seen a lot, of, a lot of uh, like mob stories about yeah. how these people rise to power, but mm. they're like typically such maniacs. You yeah. get to, you wonder why people would follow them. I feel that way about yeah. the Joker. How does he get henchmen? Yeah, like who would follow? He's a, a, an insane clown. Like again, like yeah, I, I'm actually totally with you on here, especially like if like. What if he did take over all crime in Gotham? Like, you'd have no job security. He's going to make you kill each other. Like, He'll what's just the... kill you himself. Yeah, yeah like, there's no, there's no fun. Like, again, like, Bob, the 60s... Bob's gun, you know, that, yeah, that scene from like, the Burton film. You, well, again, like, the, in the 60s, Joker, that's a guy who cared about infrastructure. That's a guy who cared about his underlings, and his underlings cared about him. He was a bad guy, and yeah, he killed people, but he wouldn't kill them for like literally no reason, with like no, no. like no no cause whatsoever. You felt comfortable; you knew you could work with him and not die. The all the other Jokers we've had since, no, <laughs> they'd be weird loners. They can't run anything. It would it would wouldn't work mm. for a second. Anyway, um, so in the final episode, Vicious has taken over everything. Uh, Spike reveals to Jet where he comes from. Uh, Jet's daughter has been kidnapped by Vicious in order to get to Spike. Uh, so they gotta go save her, of course. Uh, they do. They go to like a big church, which is from the show. It was actually oh, yeah. the last episode of the show. And oh, they moved that to like what they thought was their season one finale. It looked And it looked a lot like... Um, it looks like they were trying to knock off John Woo. Oh, well, the, 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 I, the, I, and I'm going to say this. I think even the anime series are trying to knock off John. Oh, well, yeah. That's very, it's a very hip thing to do at the time. It was a very end of the killer kind of thing. And that's fine. That's, you're going to knock someone off. Early John Woo is a great way to do it. Um, there's a lot of fights. <laughs> there's <laughs> a lot of fights. Of fights. Um, uh, Spike is tied to a column and yeah. uh, the fight ends when... Uh, Faye gets like a, essentially a Harrier jet. Yeah, it's like the science fiction device, and she just fires bullets well, into it's, the it's windows. Well, it's her, it's her spaceship, like her like personal spaceship. That yeah, just but has it, guns but it's, on it's, it. it's it's equipped with gigantic yeah. cannons. So she kills just, almost yeah. everybody, but Vicious, of course, manages to survive. There's a huge fight between Spike and Vicious, and here's where it goes totally off script. This is oh, this not, wasn't from the original this, series. No, okay. in the original series, this is not what happens with Julia at all. And I gotta tell you something, there was a couple of good decisions in the adaptation process. I've called out a few, there are a few other minor ones that didn't make the, we didn't discuss, but like, not every adaptational uh, uh, choice they made was a bad one. This was a great one. Oh, I actually no, thought well, this was this was kind of clever. It was it was a good twist. Yeah, uh, yeah it works. I, I wasn't you know, blown well, away by well, it, but if you, I If you're familiar it. with the original series, this is like coming completely out of nowhere. Oh, okay. But then you watch it and go... But it works. Yeah. So I'm fine with it. So Spike and Vicious are fighting, and then Julia shows up, and Spike says, Hey, I'm so glad I found you. We can we can go away now. And she's like, Yeah, uh, why did you leave me with this homicidal maniac for years? And Spike's like, Well, Vicious told me you chose him. You believed Vicious? (laughs) And Spike goes, Well, when you put it like that, I sound like an idiot. And she's like, Yeah, I was trapped. In a violently abusive relationship for many years, and you were fucking off around the galaxy doing God knows what, leaving me to it, never knowing if today's the day he's going to get bored with me and kill me. 
so fuck you <laughs> and fuck him. Uh, and then she she <laughs> kills and she kills him. And she, she shoots Spike and jumps him and throws him out a window. Mm-hmm. And then she takes Vicious and like she doesn't kill Vicious, but she like chains him up somewhere and like plays Russian roulette with him for a second oh, and right, says, right, "I'll be right, back yeah. tomorrow to see if we and to play again." And like she's taking over all of crime. It's great, honestly. Good. <laughs> I mean, That's like, actually that actually calls attention to a problem in the original series, which is, yes, Spike. Why did you do that? I know you have this weird uh, is, idea is of yourself this, as this uh, romantic, tragic hero whose girlfriend left him for an evil guy, but you knew he was evil. Why did you let that happen? Was this one of those things where, um, like, this is something fans have complained about? No, like the, it, it's. I like, mean, maybe, um, but not that I'm aware of. Yeah, like there's. Uh, What's, what's an example? Oh, um, uh, mm. Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, they made an entire movie. Uh, mm. I, I guess it was in um, Return of the Jedi, mm. where they just sort of explained that... Or no, it was, it was Rogue One. They decide, mm. They explained why uh, it was so easy to blow up the first Death Star in Star Wars. Yeah, like, like why, is, why is there a... Why is there a press this port, button? Yeah. Why is there, like, if you shoot this, the entire Death Star blows up? That seems and, like a huge design flaw. Mm. Turns out someone put that in there on purpose to sabotage it. Well, which that, honestly... Which was responding to a, a criticism from fans well, rather than it's a addressing hole. something that was actually... No, it's, it's a, not. It's, it's not a plot it's hole. A it's a minor just, plot hole. It's, it's not... It doesn't make sense that anyone would design it that way. It doesn't uh, make sense. It's also a big space adventure with a big that. death ball. It's uh, okay. Again, we've talked about this a million times before. Star Wars and other shows and movies of its ilk were never designed to be watched a million times. <laughs> the first time you watch it, you're so invested in what's going on, you don't notice. Mm. The 100th time, you're saying to yourself, yeah, why is that there? If you think about it, that doesn't make any sense. You're not and now supposed you to, to think about it. You're not supposed to think about it, but we thought about it so much. This, this is why um, um, that show Kenobi exists, basically, because there's a line in Return of the Jedi where Luke asks Obi-Wan Kenobi, hey, why did you lie about Darth Vader and say that he killed my father? Mm. And Obi-Wan says, well... Technically, I was kind of right. Well, yeah. no, what he says is, yeah, Empire hadn't been written yet, and we were just kind of, like, making up as we go along a little bit, and mm. George Lucas was toying around with the idea of making him your father, but, yeah, we didn't really set it up very well. So I had that line in the first movie, and now I'm going to say... Uh, the evil man that is Darth Vader killed the good man that was your father, and that kind of makes sense from a certain point of view. And honestly, that's a fucking band-aid on a on some really clunky writing. Yeah. It always was. And so when the time came to do Kenobi, the big climax in that no. series is Darth is Obi-Wan Kenobi meeting Darth Vader. They fight, and Darth Vader says, You didn't kill me. I killed Anakin Skywalker. I am Darth Vader. And it's basically like, okay, all right, I guess that justifies so why Kenobi would say that. You're it, trying to, to reconcile the fact that it's, you it, wrote one movie after another movie. It's just clunky dialogue. Oh. We didn't need a whole fucking series to like justify oh this. And also, by adding a scene, and I'm, I'm just going to talk about the ending of Kenobi for a second, by adding a scene in which Obi-Wan Kenobi resoundingly defeats Darth Vader, and instead of killing him, apprehending him, dragging him back to Tatooine with him and trying to, like, heal his soul and bring him back to the light side. He just walks away and lets Darth Vader kill millions of people for ten years. And then he has the fucking audacity, the fucking gall, to tell Luke Skywalker (laughs) in the original trilogy, if you can't kill your father, 
All hope is lost. Well, then why didn't you fucking do it 10 years ago, Obi-Wan? Why didn't you fucking do it 10 years ago? Maybe I shouldn't have to be thinking about this. I was perfectly satisfied with there's a bit of clunky dialogue in Return of the Jedi Mm. that kind of covers like the fact that there's a bad bit of dialogue in the original film that doesn't really match the plot. I was fi- I gotten used to that, and now I have a new thing to be mad at because you had you felt the need to like go back. Oh God! I don't need that shit. Just move on. <laughs> we that's, don't need to constantly like fill the gaps. You that's, can just do it. This is terrible. That sounds terrible. It I don't want to. There's so much stuff I like in that series, actually, but that bit was just it killed me. But, uh, so like, listen. But so my, with, my this question, isn't, to the best of my knowledge, uh, I've never heard anyone complain about. Okay, it. Okay. Well, yeah. My question Maybe was if, if this was like a, a like a fan band aid to the best of my for listen, Cowboy Bebop fans. I, I'm a fan of Cowboy Bebop. I haven't been like keeping up with what people say about Cowboy Bebop since like the early 2000s when I, there were message boards. Mm. <laughs> All right. I honestly have not. If there were if there were editorials, excuse me, if there were editorials or think pieces about specifically this idea with Julia, I wouldn't be surprised. But I don't know. What I do know is I was watching this and I was like, you know what? That's smart. <laughs> That's actually thinking out the story. It, it's that like, makes it's a fun, sense. It's a fun twist. And like, it, yeah, and like it, I said, and, it's not extraordinary, but it's something. And it takes the second season. Into a direction where we haven't been before. Mm. There are still plenty of episodes in the original series that you haven't adapted yet. There's at least one more they tease is coming up. But yeah, now it seems like where you have you're gonna have the freedom to be your own thing. And that makes me interested, and that's when the show got canceled. So Spike manages well, to survive they, getting thrown out a window, wow. which he manages to do a lot, like just get thrown off of really tall things and survive. Uh he goes to see Jet. Jet says, I never want to see you again. Uh, understandable. Uh, Faye goes off to find her own identity, which is fine. And the series... And they're all split up. And they're all split up. And then the series ends with Spike exiting well, a bar, still presumably shot and stabbed up. Well, he's all bloody. Yeah. Like, he's got blood all over his face. He's really yeah. badly injured. But he, and he's, the, he's well enough to drink, so he's been drinking. But the, 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 the episode's over, and yeah. this is like the, the stinger. The, yeah, the little epilogue. Uh, he, he, goes out of a, he goes out of the bar... And he kind of falls and collapses. And when he opens his eyes, Radical Edward is there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and they say, uh, "I'm, I'm, it's we have to go off on another bounty hunting mission because there's someone out there who needs to be captured." It's a character so, from the show. Something about like yeah, a butterfly. There, there's a specific yeah. character from the show. I forget which one. Honestly, not one of my favorite episodes. Just some guy who is a bounty, and they're going to get him. So right. we're establishing that we're going to set up that story. Um, Edward is played by. Hold on, I want to make sure it's Eden something, and I'm going to mm-hmm. get this wrong otherwise. Um, well, it pl- played by an actress who I feel sorry for. Uh, 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 the the performer is non-binary. Ah, excuse me. Yes, I apologize. Eden Perkins. Uh, I apologize for misgendering. Yeah. Uh, a, a performer, I feel sorry for, uh, because yeah. Radical Edward is was my favorite character from the movie. A beloved character. A beloved character <laughs> and, uh, from the original series. A, a, and they a get one minute of A character they should time. have started with and mm. yeah, and and they get one scene. They get one scene. The show is canceled. This was their only this is still their only credit on IMDb, oh. which is unfortunate. I wasn't a huge fan of this how is like they you sign on, it's like this is gonna be a big thing. I'm gonna go far with this. It's not sad. And and they get completely they get nothing. And, and it was fu- it was fucking weird. I remember um I had to review this show for the rap. 
And I, I was able to watch the show early, but there were certain things that I had to agree, you're not going to spoil this in your review. And okay. one of them was, don't mention that Edward's in it, please. That's supposed to be a surprise. Yeah, okay. And I'm like, you know what? Barely in the show. Mm. I don't need to mention Edward. I don't, uh, I'm not going to complain about that. It's, it's, an, it's a stinger. It's yeah, a it's a stinger, and yeah. it's supposed to be a reward. You watch 10 episodes of the show. Like, it airs at midnight. You're going to watch it over the weekend. At some point, you're going to find out Edward's in there. And if you're mad that Edward wasn't in the show, cool. Now Edward's in the show, and you'll feel mm. happy. So I, 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 I was fine with that. I didn't mention that word in my review. It was spo- spoiler free. The show debuts at midnight, and at midnight, Netflix puts out a tweet saying, Introducing Edward. Oh my God. And I'm like, You ruined it! <laughs> it was supposed to be a surprise, and you just well, ruined it! And, and often, um, a studio will request that you yeah. keep certain details secret in a review, mm-hmm. and yeah, know, if, and usually it's if, if usually it's rather reasonable. Uh, well, it's, yeah. it's usually it's logical. Like if you're yeah. writing a review, you know what to reveal and what not. I'm to. not gonna um, get, like oh, you're reviewing Fight Club. Well, don't give the twist away, yeah, right? I, I know. Uh, I like uh, Dave White had a pretty uh, critic we very much admire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Over at Linoleum Knife, please listen. Yeah, uh, Dave White uh, has a pretty mercenary attitude about spoilers. Uh-huh. Uh, don't give anything away. That's kind of a jerk. Uh-huh. Unless I hate it. And then, <laughs> and then I'm telling you everything because I'm trying to save you from seeing yeah. this and I'm just going to tell you the things that you would be intrigued by. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, uh, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, if, if a, the press, however, like if the actual publicists say don't reveal the secret, I'll say, well, okay, I probably wasn't gonna anyway, but yeah. thank you for making that clear. Yeah, and uh, yeah, then if the advertising just says, oh, and here's Edward, like, like I'm like, I'm like again, no one had time to watch the series yet. It wasn't like the show debuted at midnight and they dropped the tweet at noon, assuming some huge fans would have binged it through the night. Yeah, which even that's a stretch. You released it the second the show was available. No one got there yet. That's annoying. That was really... I was like, what the shit? So, in any case... How, how the shit are you? <laughs> what the, seriously. So, we, we get like a brief glimpse of Edward. I'm actually not a huge fan of how Edward is introduced. I don't think they're really selling the character well. I think if you weren't already a fan, you might just kind uh, of be it's, like... It's just another weird just, character. Okay, yeah. so just something weird's going on again. Um, and, um, and then that's that. And then that's Cowboy Bebop. And then Cowboy Bebop got canceled. Um, if it had continued, they would have done more episodes of the show. Now, wouldn't they? But they would have had an opportunity to do stuff that we'd never seen before. Because of the whole Julia thing. Yeah. And I think that's actually pretty exciting. And I'm kind of bummed that just when the show was getting to the point where it's like, okay... They can forge their own path now. The characters kind of grew on me over time. It was an awkward start, but, like, I do like them together now. I want them to all be together. Okay, you've disbanded them. Okay, great. Okay, well, well, at least Edward's here, right? Okay, well, I get them for 60 seconds. Okay. Um, uh, But uh, but now we're going to do something interesting, right? It's like, yeah, now that we're canceled. The the fuck? (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. It's really annoying. So... This series is incredibly frustrating to me because there's a few things they do right. Not many, mm. but there's a few. And I think the casting is largely one of them. I okay. think most of the cast is quite good. I, I think they miscast Vicious, and um, I think they they really struggle to try to make Julia interesting until the ending. Uh, mm. But I, I do I, think I, the I actual think... cast that they got was pretty good. I... I... As I said, I like John Cho, but I yeah. think he was given such bad scripts that he didn't uh, didn't avail himself quite well. Like, he's, he's really trying with these scripts, but mm. I don't think he's making Spike emerge as mm. 
particularly affable. He's mm. like a little bit. That's the thing. I don't think Spike should be that affable. I think well, Spike maybe, should actually uh, be like maybe more that's the, not the taciturn type. Maybe, maybe that's not the uh. issue. Like he's not playing Spike uh, as a caricature, which I think is what is required of that character. Mm-hmm. He needs to be a little bit more. Uh, mm. He's a little bro- too real. Yeah, a little, little bit more broadly drawn, yeah. a little bit uh, less human. And yeah. John Cho is too good an actor to do that. Yeah. What I will say is that if nothing else, uh, uh, Spike has a very distinct physicality in the anime, and I think Cho nails it. I think Cho absolutely gets the physicality of Spike. Okay. I think Daniel Pineda is really great. I actually really like this version of Faye. It's a different version of Faye, but I really like this version of Faye, and I really... That's maybe, of all the characters, the one character I'm like, that is better than maybe the original show. I think Daniel Pineda really brought something interesting to it. Um, I'm I'm not as big... On this version of Jet, I know a lot of people love them. He's a teddy bear. Mm. Um, I, it's a writing thing. I think he's given too many stick-in-the-mud, boring lines of writing. The first three episodes are all just him complaining about buying his daughter a birthday present. <laughs> That's not a great way to introduce a character, is to just have him have boring lines of dialogue about shopping. I don't think that's really helping anything. Um, and again, I think the style is largely doing the show no favors. There's actually a, 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 a teaser trailer that they put out. That was featured original footage. It's not in the show. Oh, interesting. And it was Spike, Faye, and Jet, and they're talking about a bounty that they're getting, and there's a lot of split screen, but the split screen is constantly, like, interacting with them in some way. Like, they're in three different panels, but they're, like, leaning on, like, the bars between the split screens, or sometimes they pick up the bar that made it a split screen and they use it as a weapon to fight guys. And it's like full of personality. Like it's really distinctive Mm. and interesting and funny. It's it's way more meta than it is. Yeah. 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 It's way more meta than the show is, but it had its own vibe and it was really lively. And I thought that that was really encouraging. Like you're doing, you're making this your own a little bit. Good for you. And then they really tried not to. For so much of it. That, and well, all that's, they really did biggest, was add banter for a lot of it. And that just ticked me off. Yeah, my, like, my biggest issue is uh, they're trying really hard to uh, give us personality overload. Yeah. They're trying to give us really broad characters, really broad designs. They're trying to make it really exciting. It's this... Um, that, that sort of bold, clunky Hollywood artificiality mm-hmm. that they're just smearing everything with effect and it's all these details in the background. Mm. And... Golly, for all their efforts, everything they're doing is make it feel more bland. Yeah. That these things actually don't have a lot of personality because the people making it aren't trying to give us personality. They're just trying to give us aesthetics. I agree. And that made the show kind of difficult to watch. It made the show kind of boring to watch. Yeah. I still feel like it feels padded. Like, most of these stories mm -hmm. do not have enough material to justify their runtime. Yeah. They're pretty simple and archetypal, which is fine if you're Mm a half-hour show. If you're pushing an hour, even 45 minutes, no, you're going to end up padding that shit. And a lot of it's padded with these vicious storylines, which are so fucking tired. (laughs) Everything they added with vicious. I I appreciate, I see Alex Hassel trying to make it work. I actually appreciate just how kind of like weirdly cartoony his performance is. A lot of wide eyes, a lot Mm, of like creepy grimaces. Like he feels like a cartoon. And I actually like that. And I think in a way that kind of matches John Cho's physicality a little bit. But unfortunately, just all the stuff that we've added to Vicious just makes him Mm. a very boring villain. (laughs) He's just not an interesting (laughs) villain at all. Um, So I guess the question is, Whitney. Yeah. Was Cowboy Bebop canceled too soon? No. 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 Like, 
again, that's a fun twist at the end, but it's yeah. not so fun that it feels like the show is like taken off into a new interesting direction, at least not yeah. for me. Because I don't have knowledge of what happened on the series. Yeah. That's a f- like it's a fun twist, but it's not so odd because they spent so little time actually developing the arcs and the characters in an interesting way. I don't care enough that mm-hmm. that happened to want to see what happens with those characters. Yeah. So okay, yeah, she now she's the crime boss. So mm. what did we get about her otherwise, other than she's just sort of afraid and talking to her boyfriend in yeah. a fearful way a lot? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that. Okay, Radical Edwards finally in it. That's that's not enough of a promise. Yeah. Here's 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 what are, where I'm at. Because again, I, as I, I've said it before, I th- I kind of acclimated to the show after a while. There's stuff that I really don't think it does well, but these versions of the characters did grow in me after a while, and I part of me would like to see them in other adventures. There is definitely a part of me that would like to see them in other adventures, and there's a, definitely a part of me that would like to see this show try to find its own voice rather than just. Kind of watering down, yeah. kind of watering down the anime. Um, but I would only want to see more of it. I think if they switched showrunners, okay, I would like to say I don't. I don't have a particular name in mind. I just these showrunners don't seem to have. They after ten episodes, they did not have like the knack of it. Hmm. I don't think they understood the how delicate the balance of tone and genre. Yeah. There is in Cowboy Bebop and how that makes it distinctive, especially after there have been so many imitators. They failed to make this show feel distinctive. And that's really all it needed to be. So maybe if you switch show owners, I would be interested in another season. But even though a lot of the characters grew on me and I really did like their versions of it, I have to agree, I don't think the show was canceled too soon. Mm. It just doesn't come together. It doesn't come together fast enough. And by the time it comes together, it hasn't come together well enough. Yeah. So, yeah. sadly, it's not good. But it, it is not a total train wreck. There is definitely some stuff to like in here. I think it's only a train wreck uh, in that you can tell how much uh, time and energy they spent on sure. it. And money they spent on it. it. Yeah. It looks like an expensive show. It's not a cheap program. Th- this, yeah. is, this is a Netflix show. This I mm-hmm. guess the glory days are a little bit over now. But Maybe, yeah. this this was from the time when it's like, okay, here's a quirky cult product. Uh, product uh-huh. the cowboy bebop series and yeah. we're yeah we're just gonna get a shovel and take it down to the money kiln and start shoveling things onto the fire and make it look as complicated as possible yeah and surely that will be enough and no that they they didn't think that part out well i think it's worth noting that there are uh there are two different netflixes <laughs> there's there's the netflix there's two netflixes inside of you and they're constantly fighting <laughs> No, there's the Netflix that throws money at shit. Uh-huh. You know, they'll throw a billion dollars at the Gray Man or something like that. And they'll just don't care if it turns out good or not. They just want something flashy that they can say is their own. Mm. And then there's the Netflix that puts out a show like Is It Cake? <laughs> there's the completely... Which is coming back, so we can't cover it. I know. The completely lowbrow, almost like it's practically a UHF fake right. show. Where it's there, there's literally a show called Is It Cake? And you know what? And that's the game. I've watched that show. I watched every episode of that show. I did show. too. And you know what? That is some real good, lowbrow, mm. I am done with my day, and I want to zone out, and I just want to know which one's a cake. And you know what? Always right. It's it's weirdly hypnotic. I, I always know which one's cake. <laughs> and you can tell. You can tell they know it's too easy, because when they show you 
like the list of items like here's a bunch of like steaks mm. and one of these steaks isn't a real steak it's a cake but you know that like they realize how easy it is because they never like give you a long lingering shot of all of them it's mm. always these quick flashy ones and it's like well, yeah and the, and the competitors have to stay like 30 feet away you can, yeah. they can't like step up and look close yeah because that would it would be get increasingly mm. obvious and listen a lot of them do a great job but i always know which one is cake my point is this we just covered the big expensive netflix mm. next time on cancel too soon we're doing the cheapest hell Netflix. <laughs> Yay. Because we're that's and we're actually doing a type of show we have never really done before. Mm. And that is a cooking show. Now technically we did that one kind of gothy cooking show, but that was more yeah, like us. Um, it was more like an arts and crafts show. They really weren't worried about cooking. Monster Maryland or something. No. There, there was a, it was a monster show. It was basically Let's make fancy horror cakes with puppets. It, it was ostensibly an instructional instructional baking program. Uh-huh. Uh, the the curious delights of Megan McConnell or no, Megan McConnell. Oh yeah, something like that. It was a curious something earlier. Yeah, uh, Megan McConnell is a, a yeah. person I know. Um, uh, but uh, the curious creations of Christine McConnell. Christine McConnell. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was supposed to be instructional, but there was never an instructional element. It's no. like, I, I, I'm building a haunted house that's yeah. edible. So but first, it, it takes make like, a giant cake, and then get your airbrush machine, and put your, like, it's like I, I don't have any of have, that. What are you doing? Re- reach into your, she always had this, like, ready supply of this, like, clear, viscous substance she called isomalt. Yeah. Which, I've never bought isomalt in my life. I don't know where to life. get that. You're, you're, you're skipping ahead mm. of us so far. We cannot follow you. Like, I'm intrigued this, this by your This is a 400-level class. Yeah. Right? We need, we need the introductory yeah we're, we're auditing a master's class here and we, we need we need 101 and there was no appreciation whatsoever that the people at home don't have the time money or even the equipment mm. to do 90 percent of the shit you're doing and, uh, and that's funny but it's also not fun it's not what <laughs> I, I don't go here like you watch like the great british baking show because like Oh, I, I can make I can make those. Like I can make a brand yeah. muffin. I can yeah, probably do problem. better than that. You know, like whatever. Like there's a part of you which is like that'd be fun to make. We should make that. Or even if it's difficult, it's like hey, like you're thinking if I get some money, if I get a bigger kitchen, if I get that one yeah. tool, yeah. I can make that sort of thing. Yeah, that's the thing is uh, you, you don't want it to be so far beyond unless it's like a documentary about like the fanciest restaurants in the world, which has its own appeal. Mm. If you're doing a cooking show, the people at home want to think that they can play along. So we're gonna do a cooking show. And it's a cooking show that I'm sure you're all, I'm sure you all watched. You're all very familiar with. You watched it so bad it got canceled. (laughs) Uh, And it is Cooking with Paris. Paris Hilton's one season cooking show in which she had a variety of celebrity guests and they cooked. We have uh, episodes with Kim Kardashian. We have episodes with Saweetie. We have episodes with Nikki Glaser. We have an episode with Demi Lovato. All right. Uh, so these are all people, some of whom I've heard of. You know Demi Lovato, right? I know Demi Lovato. That all one right. I know. I'm not going to pretend I don't know Demi Lovato. But there's a few people on here I'm like, I don't know, I don't know who this is. And it's going to be interesting. Well, so, uh, well, so we'll what? get to maybe cook along with Paris Hilton. Maybe we'll try some recipes. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to talk about the, the curious TV phenomenon of Paris Hilton. And, yeah. And the cooking uh, show in general. Co- cooking shows in general. But uh, yeah, Paris yeah. Hilton was a, a very interesting media personality who dominated the public consciousness for a long time. Like the like early, early 2000s, 2000s belonged yeah. to Paris Hilton. Yeah. 
Uh, so yeah, we'll talk about Paris Hilton. We'll talk about the cooking show. We'll talk about food in general. It'll be a hoot. It'll be a different thing we don't usually do. Mm. So come on by next time on Cancel Too Soon as suddenly last season commences. And we have other cool shows coming as well. So thank you everybody for listening. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, if you want to join our Patreon, it's at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. You can vote for future episodes of our shows. You can listen to our shows ad-free, which I know a lot of you are very excited about. We have exclusive shows over at Patreon. We have all our yesterdays. We review every single episode of Star Trek in order. We have only the best. We're reviewing every single film ever nominated for Best Picture. We do commentary tracks. We do Discord hangouts. We do trivia nights with our patrons. We have a show called Step Me Up, Step Me Down. We're reviewing every single film and TV episode in the Step Up franchise. It's good stuff. <laughs> so thank you everybody for being a patron. If you're a patron, we're, we, we couldn't do the show without you. Really, we literally couldn't. So thank you for all of your help. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, feel free to send us an email. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Did you watch Cowboy Bebop? Did you notice something we different? We different. We, you, different from us? Did you notice something different? Did you know something we didn't? Something different, perhaps? Did you have a different take on it? Did I get something wrong? Whatever. I would be very curious to hear about it, because as much as I love Cowboy Bebop, I haven't rewatched it in its entirety in a while, and maybe... Maybe it's aged poorly. Maybe it's aged poorly. Say, yeah. Maybe that's also possible. We we, we did a whole uh, Patreon-exclusive uh, podcast about Firefly, every single episode, including the movie, and we found that that show hasn't aged well at oh, all. Oh, goodness, no. No, it's aged very badly, actually. Oof. It's, it's it's like it's, awkward and badly written not, and ugly in a lot of ways. It's not great, yeah. actually. So that was an interesting experiment. So I'm always curious to hear your perspectives. Thank you so much for sharing them. We might read your email on an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail. If you want to send an old-fashioned letter, Whitney, what is our P.O. Box? Yeah, send, a, send it uh, by Carrier Pigeon to uh, <laughs> P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Uh, it is not too late to sign up for Salt Cat Soap of the Month Club. Uh, that is a Soap of the Month Club run by myself and my partner, M. Lopez Da Silva. It has its own Patreon, patreon.com slash Salt Cat Soap, all one word. Uh, we make soaps. We make designer soaps, and uh, we sell them. You can order one soap a month. You can get two soaps a month. U.S. only, please. It's a whole thing. We would like to expand further, and hopefully we will in the future. Um, in October, if you sign up now, you'll get your soaps in October. Uh, we're going to have some kind of monster soap, and we're actually going to put a poll up so that our patrons over at patreon.com slash saltcatsoap can help decide what kind of fancy... Uh, monster themed soap they're going to get in the month of October. It's it's to be vote really on fun. It. Okay. So yeah, so that's coming up soon. And that that's that. Oh, uh, we're on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And that's a wrap, folks. See you, Space Cowboy. <laughs>